Jason Dubray. They're joining me, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons, to rank our top 30 best horror movies from the 20 teens. This episode, we're going to be ranking from our 30th to our 21st selections, and we're going to be reviewing Blood Quantum and Under the Shadow. And I'm not going to waste a bunch of time because we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I do want to shout out the website, rankandreview.ca, and you can send feedback and your thoughts on this incredibly difficult rank to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Lots of love from your host and I'm Canadian Larry Parsons. Thank you for your ears. Now let's just get busy. It has been a little bit over four years? Like four years. I think it was four years ago, maybe a little bit more, that Mr. Lee Beckman and Mr. Jason Dubray and your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons undertook the epic best 30 movies of the naughties, as I was calling them. And even when that was freshly recorded, I was energized and excited. I was like, I can't wait. Yep. to do next uh, the next decade. I mean, Beckman and I have covered the 60s, but that was a lot of uh, me self-educating and sort mm-hmm. of... No, me as, too. Yeah. As, we, as we said during that episode, it was the best, epi- the best horror of the 60s that we had seen. Yep. I think we're about to undertake in the 2010s or the 20-teens or however we want to call it, the last decade of horror where it will be feasibly possible to keep up with the genre. Yo. Mm-hmm. I just don't think in the digital age and the streaming age where there's a half a dozen horror movies every week that it will be possible to be able to say this has been a pretty I mean as close as I can get to it as a <laughs> fairly rounded and complete assessment of the horror of this decade. It's just, I, I need to have a life outside of genre movies. <laughs> so, so that, no, you don't, Larry. That no. is, that is no, a sad don't. thing to realize. But I think the happy thing to realize is that 
undeniably informing this list. And I don't want to put words in your guys' voices, but yeah. we are in a golden age of horror movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. There was such an embarrassment of riches yeah. to sift through <laughs> that I had to fall back on my old sort of wrestling with the difference between the best and the favorite and making hard choices under yep. that way. Like, mm-hmm. on some cases, I chose my favorite of a specific genre let's say remakes or whatever i picked my favorite one over maybe the best one yep but i didn't want us all to have the same lists oh we won't (laughs) there's no way Uh, yeah um i feel like maybe the deeper we get into the list the more crossover we'll get Mm -hmm. yeah but well that remains to be seen yeah so i guess we'll start this grand episode the same way i started the last one what does this decade of horror mean to you guys and once again, all of us picked two movies to review. Yeah. So I'll get you guys to tell us what, what movies you've selected and why. Yep. But just as a launch pad to get us onto the decade, for me, if the 2000s or the noughties was where horror got dark and grim and yeah. the grit came back into horror, yeah. to oversimplify it, this decade horror got smart yep. and got a little bit more... Uh, satirically savvy mm-hmm. horror movies became about something yep. almost necessarily like as a fair measure session nine which came out in the aughts and was pretty much ignored yeah mm-hmm. if it had come out this decade would have been celebrated i'd hope so it was way ahead of its time yeah. in mm-hmm. that measure we have so many of these slow-paced, slow-burn, yep. psychological horror movies yep. that I could have made a top 30 of them. Yep. So, uh, but when I think of this decade, I think of that and um, maybe sort of more mainstreaming of horror. I think more legitimate directors are getting into horror, not as an entry point into the genre, yep. but they're making horror movies because they want yep. to make horror movies. Yep. Not just because they'll be profitable, but because they'll be great movies. Yep. That's where I'm starting. But uh, I tossed the ball to Mr. Dubray. <laughs> First, okay. <laughs> what do you yeah. think about this decade? I can I completely agree with you. And this this felt like, um, for the first time since maybe the 1970s, which I wasn't around for much of the decade, but for a few months, um, <laughs> horror movies had kind of come back to like the critical mainstream. It wasn't just something that was kind of outside and it was kind of looked down upon. Maybe some were looked down upon and dismissed too soon. But we actually have, you know, we were talking on the way up here about the Academy Awards and the problems with it. But we finally got to the point where some horror movies were getting some acknowledgement for this awards circuit. And um, you're right, they, they are a lot smarter. Like, I, I kind of walked into the noughties Having not watched much horror during that decade, I'd kind of tuned out a bit because I thought it was—it's all the saw stuff. Like right. it's all this extreme for the sake of extreme, and it's not really something I was interested in. I almost lost faith in horror. This decade, and I will—I'll credit your podcast for this and the renewal of the friendship <laughs> for bringing me back to. Jason, there's all these movies that you haven't don't know about and you haven't checked out. And so listening to your show, or in some cases, well, I'll be mentioning ones that I reviewed with you, it's like there's a lot of really great stuff out there. It just was not getting the attention that maybe it should have. And I was just watching kind of like the 
the the most out there stuff and it, it, i feel like i kind of became returned to being a horror movie fan during the 20 teens and i wasn't really during the aught so i was playing catch up the last time as you saw last right. time we were we were talking about these and a lot of the movies that you have both put on your list including frankenfish which was way way better than i expected it to be <laughs> i've returned to some of those and i was just like Man, Frankenfish yeah. is like eighty-seven minutes of pure joy. It is. <laughs> it, it. If I had seen that before, maybe it would have made the list. Right. I don't know. So um, this one, I feel a little bit more confident in my list. Right. But the frustration was there were so many great movies. I'm going to keep saying when you reveal your lists. Oh, that was a runner-up. Oh, yeah, maybe. But I have been like postulating future episodes of the podcast where I'm doing a review and saying to myself. This should have been on the list. Yeah. And that will happen oh. over and no over matter what. And, and over again. And, yeah. This yeah. is the list for today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I'm, I'm open to the fact that it will change. When I was in my teens and 20s, I thought, this list will always be the list. I'm never going to change the list. Oh. Nope. nope. My opinions nope. on movies change big time. Even ones I watch a few months ago and then I revisit now, I'm like, Maybe we can wow, have, why was it so hard on that? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, is the greatest comedy ever made and will always be the greatest <laughs> comedy ever made, <laughs> says Larry in 1992. So progressive. Yeah. So progressive. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, well, what about Mr. Beckman? How do we feel about this decade? Um, well, like I think it was the decade before where it was like the love of torture porn and, uh, you know, French New Wave hardcore cinema. Um, this was the decade that definitely had a social conscience. Um, I call it more grief porn. <laughs> uh, that, 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 those are two words that sort of come to mind. But yeah. Well, they, t they use the term elevated horror, yeah. which I don't like, yeah. although I do understand what they're trying to go for there. Yeah. But it, it's dismissive of the rest of the genre. Yeah. I mean, horror didn't buy, didn't shy away from like women suffering. We, 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 no. we, we definitely have a lot of that. But it, it was treated with a more well, more intelligent and respectful tone, uh, even with the sort of uh, slasher entries uh, that um, you know were made in this time. Uh, it's, I guess, that's the, my first thought with this decade. Um, like you, and we talked about this constantly. It, the list is what it's going to be today. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are so many good movies that are on this list. I actually kind of feel guilty about my list <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but it is Hard what it is. had to be made. And like, yeah, yeah. No. Mm -hmm. am I happy with my list? No. Yeah. Because I know you guys are going to say titles. I mean, that's a fantastic yeah. pick. It's not on my list. Yeah. So, but like, uh, we, I did what I could. And yeah. that is how good this decade yeah. was. Mm -hmm. Um, this is definitely the decade of Me Too. Like that's that had, I think, a huge effect of how horror, especially in, like in the latter half, you know, mm -hmm. really started to you know get made and come out and talked about. Um, a bit of Black Lives Matter as well, I would say. Uh, yeah. I think a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. Not, not as much, but I mean, I recently became obsessed with the Twilight Zone, the series. But yeah. I think that that sort of social con uh, consciousness or the Having a moral to the story suddenly yep. became more important to the genre. Yep. And uh, I usually like that, but yep. I do find that sometimes, not always, yeah. sometimes that little moral lesson or that little social commentary 
ekes away at the scares a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but they've, I been, will argue they've that. been increasingly finding ways around it. But yeah. that is the flaw of that approach, I find. I will even argue uh, for that with the, the, the latest Candyman, is that it was far more obsessed with its social justice hmm. agenda than it was the scares. Mm -hmm. Still a great movie, but I digress. Um, it, it, you know, it's a great decade. Um, do we want to do our honorable mentions in this, or do I like think we should save that till the end? All right, fair enough. But, but uh, if you want to talk about how you made your selections, a couple of criteria that I made: a to start bearing down the list, and yeah. b as an excuse just to wag my finger yeah. once again at streaming services like Netflix. Yeah. If I don't have a physical copy of it, yeah. or I cannot own a physical copy of it, yeah. It is ineligible for my list, Fair as enough. far as I'm concerned. Fair so enough. things like The Ritual or Bird Box or a lot of these Netflix exclusive horror movies, yep. uh, I m might have considered them or found sp space for some of them. Yep. Uh, it just helped me to make mm -hmm. the list mm -hmm. itself come back down to yep. a manageable size. Yep, yep. Um, I liked the new directors that showed up in this yes. decade. We've got sure. Jordan Peele, Ari Aster... We have the person who did The Witch, whose name Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Um, we had a lot of really good directors, you know, cut their teeth and get their start. I think we start. should add Andre Overdahl. Oh, yes. To that we list. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That was another name. And I'm sure I'm forgetting other names. Oh, for sure. We'll mention them yeah. going forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I'll even say Peter Strickland. Right. So, but um, we'll talk about that we'll later. Get there. Yeah. Okay. One other thing I wanted to say is it seems like in decades previous, Children were safe, right? Yeah, you know, with the with rare exceptions, children can be killed. And I, I when I was again re like revising and kind of finalizing my list last night, it's like I have a lot of movies where kids get killed. Yeah, in there, and I, I know it's a regular thing on your re reviews. You'll say you never feel any danger for kids in. In movies, but we no longer have that safety when we're watching a horror if movie. They're the protagonist. It goes back to when I was a kid. Lee gave me because I've been looking for it forever. This old Toby Hooper remake of Invaders from Mars, and it's an okay movie. I loved it when I was a kid, but it, mm -hmm. it, it more belongs to my childhood. But even as a child, I somehow inherently understood that because the central character was a little kid my age, he was going to be okay. And on some level, that feeling never went away for me, especially if the kid is the main character. Yeah, yeah. But it made it count when it didn't. In Jaws, when that little kid died, or in the remake of The Blob, where one of the precocious little kids gets sucked <laughs> into The Blob, yeah. that's a genuine holy shit moment for yep. you. Yeah, uh, miniseries of it. I mean, it was in the novel, but yeah. you know. But yeah. uh, you're right. I think that it was there was something subversive or dirty or wrong about the violence to children thing. And this decade finally just decided, you know what? Kids are on the menu. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. In a very real way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, whether that's a good or bad thing we can discuss. <laughs> Is that what we wanted? We wanted more kid bloodshed in our horror movies? <laughs> We're just desenticized. That's all, man. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything else by way of introduction, or should we move on to the movies? We're I think we should pitter-patter. Let's okay. get at her. Jason Debray, you picked two movies for us to review. One of them, to my great impressed, like I was very impressed. Not only had I not seen it, I had not heard of it. And I thought that was strange, especially mm -hmm. after watching it. So yeah. uh, what did you pick and why? Uh, the two movies I picked, I, I, 
I hadn't watched Blood Quantum, so I started watching this early in the process because it was a blind spot for me. I thought, I, I looked, this time I looked at your show to see if the, this is something that had been reviewed before, and it hadn't, so I kind of wanted to throw something new in there. I thought there's a lot of great stuff that we would all be able to discuss with that one. And then I was between a, a very mainstream film that you haven't, um, which will end up on lists, uh, that you haven't reviewed on your show yet, and this movie I discovered called The Lure, which is bat shit crazy. Yes, and I it thought is. it is so crazy <laughs> that I need to talk to some people about this. And who else in my life would wa watch this? And I kind of, by choosing it, forcing you two to watch this. <laughs> and I thought this this is going to go one of two ways. And it'll be interesting when we, we do the full-on review. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a non-English language uh, dark telling of the Little Mermaid musical blood festival, which makes you feel just absolutely horrible. Some but it's so erotic eroticism. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, man. Visual like, starting to worry there, dudes. Yeah. It's yeah. I love how crazy your it, it is. Was. A crazy, crazy movie. And maybe I it's because I'm a father. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Blood Quantum and The Lure. The Lure, yeah. Uh, yeah, and interesting to note, all of us, we each picked one foreign film. Mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't agree that we were going to do one the, foreign film each, but we each picked one. I think this was a... Like in the, the world became a little bit smaller during that decade, too. Right. And the accessibility to Korean films and films just outside of Hollywood and outside of North America became a lot more prominent. And I know my list is filled up with uh, well, lots of... We'll talk about like the lure. I will thank you in advance for introducing me to it, but yeah. it did not find a place on the list, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> and spoilers, it didn't make my list either, but I think it's worth talking worth, about. And that's the thing. So uh, I kind of used my choices initially when I went into it as like, I want it, I want more on the list. So this is a way of putting more names on my list. Mm -hmm. um, but then I ended up putting one of them on my list anyway upon rewatching them because I just couldn't. But anyway, Mr. Beckman. You also selected two films for us to, to discuss today. Yes, yes. Oh, well, so I went with, I mean, you can't have really a horror movie without its villains. And so I chose two movies where, where the villains are fucking amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, anytime you ape probably my favorite director and you're successful with it, when you're like doing a giant homage to John Carpenter, you're always going to get some likes. But I, it, but you know, it follows has an amazing villain with amazing rules, uh, and I'm kind of surprised it took this long to have, you know, I I think it's a demon more than a ghost, <laughs> that uh, you know fucks mm -hmm. its people to death, like sexually a, transmitted haunting or possession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or well, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue it's a demon to but be to be continued. Continue. We'll yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The other one when we when we finally had set a date about when we we're gonna do this, like, I know there'd been a lot of movies I hadn't seen yet. And so out of all the movies that I'd seen, probably from like really August, like late July, August, when I started going hard to up to now, the one that blew me away the most was Under the Shadows. I think it's it's something it's very similar to a film it's tied with. Um, I loved it so much. Um, this movie really, really preyed on single mothers as well, which yeah. was interesting. Um, but I was just sort of blown away. Both films. That film especially felt deeply personal to the filmmaker. Yeah. You can tell that it, it, like their blueprint was all over that story. 
And it's a familiar st- horror story, but yeah. it's told in an unfamiliar environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so close to being on my list. Really? <laughs> this is how hard this okay, is. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, it no. way, way impressed me. Well, no, I, um, I, I, I was blown away. Um, um, so I, I really, I think the theme for me this, you know, this time around was just, I love me some monsters. I love me some monsters. Mm-hmm. So my selections had to do with two picks that I was having a hard time cracking. I knew that I liked both of them, but I felt like there was something that I wasn't getting. Uh, The first one is the more obscure of the tour. I think it's called The Black Coat's Daughter. You can also find it as The Devil's Daughter or February. I don't know if they they kept on changing the name Hmm. or re-releasing it or trying to find an audience for it. Um, Very strange, but I think very telling of the vibe of a lot of the quote elevated horror of this decade yeah this is very much one of those movies that fits that mold yeah i couldn't find a place for it in the list but i wanted to talk about it because uh when i first watched it I, I i liked it but i didn't feel like i completely got it when i watched it again for the podcast i feel like i completely got it and i liked it a lot more mm-hmm. yeah but it's interesting that i liked it enough to include it before that epiphany took place <laughs> yeah the other one was The Wailing. Yep. And um, this is a truly epic. It's like oh, two hours and two and a half hours. It's, it's like definitely this. over two and a half. And it's hitting every genre in the world, and it's asking a lot of patience out of you. And I'm like, part of me was like, did, it doesn't really become a horror movie until the second half. Is it a horror movie? What oh, yes. is this movie? And then I watched it again, and I was like, there's no way I can live with not putting it on the list. So it did end up finding a way on the list after all. But uh, both of them, I think, speak for the, again, a lot of movies this decade that appreciate having repeated viewings on them. Like, it's a really riveting first-time experience, but then it becomes rewarding when you go back knowing a little Mm -hmm. bit more to see it again and understand how you were fucked with. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know lots of people that won't rewatch movies. They'll watch it once and that and that's it. Right. And sometimes I, I, I think that's a mistake because you could stay with an opinion which can change over time. But the the really great movies are the ones that enrich your life with multiple viewings and that stick around. Yeah. I've reviewed so many movies where I've made the comment, it feels like I was forgetting it while I watched it. Or yeah. if I was watching it on TV and the commercials came on, I could very well forget what it was I was watching while the commercials are happening. Like, yeah. And to be that dispassionate about a movie sucks for me. Mm-hmm. But to have a movie that gets stuck in my head, in fact, so stuck in my head, that I got to go back and clarify some things for myself, then I think something's been accomplished. Yes. Is that a pretty satisfactory opening? I think think that's pretty darn good. time has come dun, I, dun, I, dun. just before we get going I meant to do this in the introduction sure special props to Jason Dubray for driving me down Yay. to Regina for this recording yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great because we, we we don't often other than recording get a chance to visit so yeah. this was, this was we fun. talked for movie movies for a couple hours on the yeah. road before yeah. we were going to talk movies for a couple of hours once we get here so. <laughs> or more than a couple hours to, <laughs> yeah 
Uh, so I just wanted to say that. Special shout out for uh, Jason Dubray, host of the high quality shelf shedding movie show. Sure, here. And now, <laughs> now we are officially ready to start. I'm sorry. Rank <laughs> of the top 30 horror movies of the 20 teens or the 2010s, whatever. What do you guys think? 20, 2010s. I've been saying 20 teens, but 20 it, whatever teens. you say. Yeah, yeah, okay. 20 teens. Let's do it. All right. Mr. Beckman. 30th position. So at 30th, I have my guilty pleasure. And I do feel guilty. Guilty, I tell you, because I know there are way better movies that aren't on this list. But I can't do a rank and review top 30 without guilty pleasures. So at number 30, I have Larry Fessenden's Beneath. It's a tie. It is actually a tie, but I have Larry Fessenden's Beneath. The script has a little creaks and moans, and the acting sometimes is a little bit meh. But I love me a killer fish movie. I really, really do. It, it, it's just, it, it tickles me right here. Well, that uh, makes me think I know what it's tied with. Yep, I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just, it, and, the, and the creature looks like a giant pike. It really does, and I love it for it. So the, the tie, and thank you, Larry. Thank you for showing me this movie. <laughs> I have never seen a movie so... I know this not you know that most politically correct term schizophrenic in quality, <laughs> because the bookends of this movie are absolutely terrible. I, I I sort of think of Hatchet a little bit, but I think Hatchet was deliberate. But I have um, that um, forty-seven meters down the sequel. <laughs> That's actually not what I was thinking of. Really, which one? I will tell you in a moment. Okay. The uh, 47, 47 meters down, uncaged. Uncaged. One of the more amusing reviews that you and I have done in uh, recent memory. <laughs> I, I can't tell you that both, like, the first 15 minutes and the last, the climax, are so awful. But the second that the scuba divers go down into the cave all the way till they escape, I think is pure horror gold. Yeah. I actually ranked it higher in our podcast than Dr. Sleep, and I do feel some shame. <laughs> But yeah, you're out of your fucking. I forgot mind. about yeah, that. I know, I know, and I know this. But I, I thought about that movie for days, Larry, and I and I just knew that it, it hit me, it, it tickled me right hey, here. That's what a guilty pleasure position is for. Yeah. So, um, I I hang my head in shame. But I, I just, I loved me 47 meters down. You love what you love, right? <laughs> and yeah. you know what? That middle section of the movie does work in, especially because yeah. I'm a shark person. Yeah. It does work in the holy shit, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah. But the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes it's are unforgivable. <laughs> no, like never, never has a top 30 movie for such like awful writing, directing, acting. It's just like... <laughs> Have you seen Beneath or 47 Meters Down? I've seen 47 Meters Down. Yeah, I, I've seen you know both films there. I have not seen Beneath, so you might have to share a little bit of that for, for me. I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. 47 Meters Down, that sequel. I remember like the action part of it I enjoyed. Uh, you both, was it both of you that didn't like the first one? Like I know you really, Larry. You really didn't like the first one, Forty Seven Meters oh. Down, with well, Mandy Moore. I, it's I, hard to get into it without got, wrecking the movie. Yeah. There's a big twist in the movie yeah. that I take issue I, with. I I think I right time or whatever. Like it was almost a, a runner up for this list. The right. first one, second one, I, I liked enough, but I I didn't I didn't love it. But I mean, I, I I get it. I mean, I get why why those movies work. So, um, Beneath, tell me about Beneath. Uh, Beneath is basically uh, a story about a bunch of, I'd say, college kids, you would th say. Yeah. Kids in, in their either early 20s or late teens. That It's a giant fish yes. in a lake. 
Yeah. There's a legend about the lake. Yeah. There's a bunch of kids. They're not really likable. They get stranded and they get sieged by this fish. Yeah. That's basically yeah. the movie. So I've yeah. seen movies like this before. But it's, it's micro of, but budget it's and it's Larry Fessenden, yeah. although it's not, I don't believe, his original screenplay. No, it's, it's uh, written by somebody else's. Yes, actually, I have, I have it here. Yeah. I'm a big Fessenden fan, but that one didn't make the list for me. Yeah. Dagan Merrill. Uh, well, it says here uh, Tony Daniel and Brian D. Smith, but. Am I looking at the wrong beneath? No, I'm looking at the wrong beneath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I will concede that that the script does have some creaks and moans, but and you can tell it's a micro budget. Oh, movie. oh yeah. You oh, have yeah. to go in knowing that and be prepared for it. Yeah. But if you're willing to meet the movie halfway, it does the job. Yeah. I, I did so lovingly. Yeah. I did. So, I was like, oh, uh, oh, uh, you got me in the giblets, man, in the giblets. All right. There's two million movies named Beneath here, so I'm yeah. not finding on my Larry IMDb, but yeah, I'll look up through Fessenden yeah. later. Yeah, based on last time, I'm writing down the ones that I haven't okay. seen for so yeah. have a nice long horror list homework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, so, hopefully it'll be a less long than last time. But um, Okay, there's a couple in here where you might get the argument that these aren't horror movies, but this one really affected me. I got so deep, it's actually a documentary called Catfish. Uh, directed by Ariel Schumann mm. and Henry Joost. Um, and this is kind of before this term was really known. Now it's a little bit more known about, you know, this this guy kind of finds out about this young girl who's a prodigy uh, in this small town in Michigan and um, and does uh, paintings of his, his of his photography and his his articles, and then gets introduced to this family. And starts to fall in love with uh, this member of the family, um, and have phone conversations and all all kinds of interesting things. And he's in New York, and then uh, there's this chance to maybe go and meet when they get this job in Colorado, um, and uh, and his brother and his filmmaking partner have been kind of following this story along as a possible film. And then it changes completely when there's some stuff that seems kind of suspicious. Uh, and then the, the middle part and this mystery and when they decide to go and figure out what's going on with this family and they end up going into like this dark farmyard. And I was just like, I have no idea what's going to happen to these people. Like they likely survive because this is a documentary that's been released. But right. uh, it creeped the hell out of me the first time. I did a rewatch of it. I knew everything that was going to happen, but it still kind of bothered me, and um, and I found some of the horror a little bit relatable right. in in some ways, and we're a lot more aware of this kind of stuff now. But we're looking at I think this was 2010, so here we are, like I think that nearly 14 years later, um, people are are less willing to sort of accept that you know some random person that they're talking to on the phone or on social media is who they actually say they are. I think the older you are in this generation we're in now, the more technophobic you are, the mm -hmm. younger you are, you're less so. Apparently the younger you are, the more you are susceptible you are to being scammed online. Yeah. And you'd think intuitively the opposite would be true, but people trust who they talk to online way more than they should have. And yep. I think Catfish exploits that. I also like I wanted to try to find a spot in the my list cuz it's a new genre that like the screen based horrors like mm -hmm. yeah. unfriended and searching yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, I couldn't again find a place for one on the list but like 
I think that is in that neighborhood too. It is. There's I really like that movie, too. but I didn't. I don't know why it never really registered high enough on my brain to consider it seriously for the list. Mm-hmm. But I do like the movie. Like I'm sure most of the movies we're going to be talking about today are like, yep, solid entry and, for sure. And I, and I have to be honest, like there there was something kind of in my life in the early 2000s that was very similar to this. Oh, I so see. So that might be kind of a personal. Like I could, uh, different background than than this guy who lives in New York and is an artist or whatever. But um, I could kind of relate to this. But when it was you know the middle part, and when we get some of like the it starts off very creepy, and we get to know kind of what the story is, it becomes a little bit different. So it's you could argue it's not a horror movie, but I think for the victim of this, it's just you're. How was I this susceptible to have have yeah. been scammed in this way? And so, so this is one of three or four that you might argue don't completely fit the horror genre completely. Mm-hmm. But I would say close enough. Do you have any experience with Catfish? Do you know the movie? Uh, I know of the film. I have not seen it. I know okay. the story, and I think it's based off a true story. Is it not? Yeah, well, it, and it's, it's a documentary TV series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. everything happened kind of. They, they found out the information as they were filming and they yep. kind of didn't know what they were going to be walking into so I respect it I respect it mm-hmm. no I've got a, I've got a documentary in my shout out so yeah um, so that's good for catfish uh, in my 30s position I wasn't gonna do a guilty pleasure and then I was talking to Beckman and Beckman's like I'm definitely doing a guilty pleasure yeah and I was like yeah you're right I probably should and my brain defaulted to Alexander Aja's Piranha 3D. Yeah. I'd already made that really high on my list of guilty pleasures in the guilty pleasure episode. So I I will acknowledge that that is an incredibly stupid, incredibly enjoyable movie that maybe should be there. And the other one that I guess we can call an honorable mention, probably the most fucked up movie released by a major studio in the decade, about two Canadian actors who reignite their friendship during an apocalypse at at a celebrity's party. Okay. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think that movie is so insane that yeah. it like points for existing. Yeah. But it's a comedy. I'm me, so I went for the most unknown, uncelebrated Larry Pick, JT Petty from the director of The Burrowers. Oh wow. I give you Hellbenders. Yeah. Hellbenders is about a group of priests who have to live in sin because their job <laughs> because their job is to uh, exercise demons yeah. and if necessary kill themselves and literally drag the demon to hell with them. Yep. The cast includes Clancy Brown, of which I've made my love known quite a few times. I do believe and he's a ranking award-winning uh, actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Has he ever returned the love? <laughs> no, he's never said a word to me, if no. you can believe that. Yep. But uh, I love how subversive it is. I li- like these priests are like they they could commit terrible acts as part of their duty as a priest. And there's this really strange eclectic cast. You do not know where the movie's going. It's not exactly funny. It's not exactly scary, but it is very strange. Yeah. And it's just got such a distinct personality. And J.T. Petty has not made another movie since this. And, like, he's writing for, like, video games. And I don't know. I really I feel like he deserved a better better than he got out of the Hollywood system because he made some really cool little movies 
and I include this one among them. Most of the people listening to us have never heard of it. That's true. That's true. So here it is in 30th position. Yeah. And you recommended The Burrowers to me, and I watched it after our mm-hmm. our, our aughts show, and it, it was near perfect. So yeah. if this is in that same ballpark, then I will... Check it, it out, but I have not seen it. It is a guilty pleasure. I mean, if you're going to compare the quality of this movie with the rest of the list, it's going to suffer by comparison. But, uh, I, again, it's the obscure, not obvious Larry Pig. <laughs> so. No. Color me surprised. All right. At number, tw- at number 29, I have Gore Ver- Verbinski's A Cure for Wellness. I'm always skeptical about wellness centers to begin with, so the <laughs> fact that they made a movie about it, yay! That movie is so beautifully shot. Like it, it examines a lot of the elements of visual art, the, the shot compositions of of it all. It is a gorgeous movie uh, to look at. I will argue it does run a little long, especially mm-hmm. in sort of in the third act. But that I I just couldn't stop watching that movie. I love everything about it. I think it was great. Um, so I have A Cure for Wellness by Gore Verbinski, who I think is wonderfully insane. And it there can be accu- accused of being elevated horror as yeah. well. It's a slow burn. And yeah. I, I'm, I think the first time I, I watched it, I, I watched it in theaters. I didn't quite know how to take it, but I bought it. Yeah. So I'd have it in my collection for getting ready for this show. It's a runner-up for me. Yeah. But I... I admire what it was trying to do. It's, it's epic. I mean, it's an, it's another one like you're the whaling two and a half Yeah, it's hours. a big movie. Yeah. And uh, it's a big swing, and it, they ask a lot of their audience. And I respect that so much because yep. so much of the Hollywood movies that we get, you know, just do all of the work for you. And sometimes you're in the mood for that. Sometimes you want something. Sometimes you want Piranha 3D, right? Yeah. But yeah. if you don't, if you want a meal, this is a meal. Yeah. It didn't make my list either, but I really liked it. A, just for Verbinski coming back to the horror genre. Yeah. It sort of says like, yeah, he did the Ring remake and that kind of bought his ticket into Hollywood. Yeah. But it wasn't just a gateway into horror. He definitely likes the mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. And uh, like... I think this movie was unfairly dismissed, yep. but I also understand why it got missed, too, on some yep. level. So it's a solid pick. I wish, like so many others, yep. I could have found room for it on the list. I also want to shout out like Dane DeHaan, who I think is really good in it as her lead, but also Mia Goth. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. She goth me. Yeah. Ah, ah, <laughs> did you see what I did there? You're ah. a dad. You're allowed that. Yeah, okay. I know. I know. <laughs> I've become unfunny. <laughs> Uh, the world, the world's become unfunny. You're no, so funny. No, That's how it goes. No, no. Even my wife is telling me that. Like, <laughs> you've got puns now. For shame, sir. Yeah, for, for shame. Twenty ninth position. Twenty ninth for me. Uh, this was um, a Shutter produced French uh, rape revenge movie called uh, called Revenge. Now there've been lots of movies named Revenge, but twenty seventeen, uh, Corelli Fargent is the uh, is the director. Um, and it's basically about this couple that are going on, on this really elaborate getaway weekend. Um, and then, uh, the boyfriend's friends show up and they're supposedly going on a hunting trip, but then it goes into like a really ugly scene. And then we go through, uh, a very vicious revenge cat and mouse type of thing. Uh, this isn't the only cat and mouse movie that we're talking about. It just, uh, it, it blew me away with its ambition, uh, its violence. We've talked before about how French movies have can have a certain edge. Their horror is breaking all the rules. Yeah, uh, I feel like this is like 
what I spit on your grave should be um, a lot more. So it, it stayed with me. Initially, it was it was a bit lower on the list, but as I kept kind of reevaluating and adding more movies, it got farther and farther behind. But I really, I'm not sure how many people have seen it, so I yeah. wanted to shout it out. Well, you know, I am not big on rape mm-hmm. in films and yeah. rape revenge movies. I get they're like a sub sub genre of horror, and probably my least. I endorse your selection. Again, it's not on my list. Mm-hmm. It's not my type of movie. Yeah, but. If you're going to watch a rape revenge movie, this is the one. It's also got a female director behind it. I think that helps the perspective. Yes. Um, the the way the assault is is not particularly focused and lingered on, but the yes. revenge is more so. The the over the top levels of blood and gore become a statement. Like yeah. that entire house is wallpapered with gore. Nobody <laughs> has that much blood in their body. It stretches credulity, but you accept everything you see in the movie what do we usually get in a rape revenge film a lot of gratuitous female nudity Mm -hmm. what do we get in this film a lot of gratuitous male Male, nudity um it's it's a really satisfying reversal while still existing as a revenge picture it is what it is but it's better than anything that came before it really it should be on my list but as yeah. I'm going to say again and again, it was a tough list. Yeah, to it do. is. Yep. I wanted to shout out Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz is the lead in this, and I think she does a does a great job. And that setting is amazing. Like it's the, it's a they, beautiful setting that gets ugly up. And the, fast. they really do. The camera lingers on her, and she is highly sexual and flirtatious with these men. And nothing they do is okay. It's nope. not like in another film you'd think they were like, oh, she's leading them on, or they're, they're like trying to set this up like she had made a mistake. No, no, these guys are fucking awful, yeah. and they deserve everything that's yeah. happening to them. Sorry, did you have anything to say no, about that? No, 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 I, I have not seen it, so oh, okay. I was just going to sit there and go. <laughs> Again, uh, n- not something just to throw on for, for shits and giggles. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. In each group of ten, sort of the way I looked at it, and there's the the bottom ten, the middle ten, and the top ten of the decade. I I noticed things. Each group has a tie related to a director. Each group has a highly personal choice. And to my surprise, each group has a sci-fi horror. Mm -hmm. In 29th position, I give you Ex Machina. Yeah. From Alex Garland. I think a special uh, mention can also go to Annihilation. I know Annihilation is based off of a novel, and that novel, I assume, is borrowing heavily from Color Out of Space, Mm. because it really does feel like a remake of H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space. And that bear scene in Annihilation almost could have put it on the list, but we'll call it an honorable mention. Ex Machina is like the darkest episode of Twilight Zone (laughs) you've ever seen. (laughs) Yep. Mm-hmm. And even if you think you know where it's going, I think it's going there in a different way than yep. you're going to anticipate. Yep. Uh, I didn't. Man, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't go with men as much with the yep. third most most recent one. But I have a degree of faith in him. Like this yes. guy, he wrote Twenty Eight Days Later. Yes. He wrote Sunshine. Uh, he wrote Dread. Yeah. And uh, each one of his movies, I really like, and they're totally different. Like I wouldn't. Of guess that the dude who wrote 28 Lays, Days Later would also write Ex Machina. They mm-hmm. seem they're both genre movies but they're far far away from each other and some people will say maybe it's not horror enough but I would invite you to watch it again. Oh it's yeah. horror. It's very horror enough. For oh me. it's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is my first, it's, first it's regret. Unsettled. 
it's your un- first regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unsettling. Um, it also it did not make my list. I had thought about it. Um, it's definitely unsettling. Uh, unsettling. I think, I think it's lower on the list because you could make the debate yep. about the genre. Yeah. But uh, it felt weird not having it on the list at the end of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really like that movie. It's not a feel good number. No. But no. It's, uh, no. It is it's, effective. It's it's grown in my esteem as time has gone on too. I you know yeah I. It's a great pick. It's a great pick, and probably should be on my list. But I, too many movies. I mean, that's and again, so many more to shout out. That's uh, Scarlett Johansson, sci-fi under the movie, skin, under the skin. Uh, yeah, like that could be there. Vivarium, oh, yeah. uh, Womb. There's so many great ones. And again, <laughs> yep. it's a tough old world. Yep. Twenty eight, Mr. Beckman. So, um, if you hadn't heard of this filmmaker, I want to introduce you to the director. He's a British director called Peter Strickland. Um, and he made a movie that I just I, I no words. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is described as a horror comedy. It definitely has more horror than in comedy. Um, although I, I, I can see why it, it does borrow a lot from Suspiria because it's basically about a witch's cult in a department store. Um, but it's it's a movie about a killer dress, <laughs> a killer dress that like goes down the hall. <laughs> And when it, so whenever you see that, you can't help but giggle. But it walks this fine line from like utterly disturbing horror. Like I, each scene that you know follows each you know each other. I just went, where's this story going? It doesn't need. It, it, it's it, the narrative is still strong enough. It's essentially two stories about the dress that connect, much like another movie that is clearly homaging it with Lost Highway. But unlike Lost Highway, and I'll even steal your words, you don't need a roadmap with it. Right. Um, um, it is like I just. It's called in fabric. Right? Yeah, yeah, in fabric. You haven't said it. Yet. Sorry. Yes. Uh, number. Uh, yeah. At number twenty-eight. It's in fabric, and it's about a killer dress. Uh, and uh, the first story is a lot stronger than the second, so much so that I think if they, uh, you know, tacked on the climax of the second story, and just tacked it on to the end of the like of the first story, uh, it might be a little bit shorter. But I think it would be even stronger and higher on this list. Um, the cat. I want to shout out the cast as well. We have Marianne Jean Baptiste, who like first got started in Secrets and Lies. She yeah. was Oscar nominated for that, and then yeah. forgotten about. She, yeah. she, she did TV acting a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really she's good. Awesome. She plays this like single mom who like is feeling more and more tension with her son at home. Uh, you know, he's in his late, tw- you know, early twenties, and just you know, is just you know, he's fucking around, and, and his girlfriend is kind of kind of moved into the flat and. There's obviously tension there, and then she goes to this store, and there is this disturbing witch's cult that, I, well, you grew up in Alberta, yes? yes? I just have, like, fond memories of the Bay in downtown Saskatoon and all that sort mm. of 70s <laughs> aesthetic, and there's even commercials for this department store that just feel like that Sears store in downtown Saskatoon and, like, that I visited with my mom in the late 70s and 80s. So that attention to detail, even with the aesthetic, I go, mwah. But this dress is just bizarre, along with the witches. I also do want to shout out Fatma Mohammed, who plays Miss Luckmore. Just the look she gives as like one of the, the, the head witch and villains is te- like just terrifying. <laughs> Every time she speaks, and she's an amazing villain. Also, Gwendolyn Christie, who plays the girlfriend <laughs> of the son, she's in it, and she's quite good. Um, I don't want to say, yeah, much 
like that killer tire movie. <laughs> rubber. <laughs> rubber. Yeah. It's just one of those things that I'd never seen a killer dress movie before. It's an experience. And yes. there are those types of movies that are just like, what is this? Yeah. And that is definitely my experience of In Fabric, but so much so that I it, I didn't really seriously consider it for the list. Yeah. It's an experience and an experience worth having, but yeah. I couldn't say that I was horrified by it. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't I even say that I laughed at it. I was kind of bewildered. I didn't regret my time with it. Yeah, I was bewildered. No, have I, you seen it? I ha- I put it on my to watch list. No, I, I not I the haven't. only film this decade that has killer clothes in it. There's a one about a pair of killer jeans yep. as well. Apparently, <laughs> I've not seen that one, but true story. Yep. Well, clothes will kill you. What's your twenty eighth selection? Twenty eighth is one of my selections for us to review. Uh, Blood Quantum, uh, maybe, maybe some people could argue a little bit too. You know. Uh, should be a little bit higher on my list. Um, directed by Jeff Barnaby. Uh, we'll discuss it in more detail during the review, sure. so I don't want to say too much. Uh, I would say there, there were a couple a couple acting performances in one character that maybe drew it back a little bit from being a little bit higher on my list, but um, a, a terrific Canadian-produced film that... Uh, Every horror fan should check out if they haven't. You will find with me, especially if it's a low-budget movie, especially if it's a Canadian movie, and especially if it's a zombie movie, I'm going to give you a lot of rope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some weak performances in the movie, but I think they make up for that with the level of gore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and And they go for uh, it. By managing not to get bogged down by their own concept, which I think a weaker director might have done. But you're right, to be continued. Is there anything you want to say about Blood Quantum before we... No, we we, we will be reviewing it. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll save it then. So how long were you out there for? I lost track of the time. Did you get bit? This planet we're on is so sick of our shit. That's why the dead keep coming back to life. You're immune. I'm not. What if my baby isn't either? It's bad. Ninagasi. I heard that you could cure bites here. Ain't nobody immune here but us. One of them could come in here and infect this entire camp. Behind you! You wanna live? If there's a movie that we're reviewing out of this bunch that isn't on the list that probably should be for me, it's it's Blood Quantum. I called it out earlier on when we were doing our introduction. But I do have a lot of respect for it, and I think it's been well covered on my podcast <laughs> that I do like zombie movies, and I do support Canadian filmmakers. Yep. And we're talking about the movie on this episode dedicated to the best of the decades. Mm-hmm. So... I hope this is an okay consolation prize. I'm glad that you guys found room (laughs) for it. Um, I really like 
taking the uh, indigenous community, mm-hmm. bringing them to center stage, something that's been long overdue, it, especially in Canadian cinema. Usually when we get it, there's sort of like feel-good dramedies or like slice of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why not do a genre movie? Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> why not do a thriller? Why not do anything other yes. than... Uh, aren't uh, Isn't the indigenous communities swell was basically the ultimate thesis of all native themed movies in canada it felt like for the longest time yeah here we have a balls out vicious bloody zombie movie high concept politically charged but that's not too up its own ass to forget yeah that we need to have good characters we need to have good gore and it needs to be entertaining and Mm -hmm. not a lecture yeah. And yeah. it succeeds on all of those fronts. Anything that it stumbles on is the kind of thing that any low-budget filmmaker mm-hmm. is going to stumble over. Mm-hmm. Not all the performances are 100%. I do think there's some rocky spots in the screenplay. But it holds together enough that I am a big, big supporter of it. Mm-hmm. I really wish that the main character was not named Turd Lord or Turd Master. <laughs> Lysol or no? Lysol's the, the, the villain. The... No, no, but the, the, the kid who was shitting off the bridge at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was sort of, and he's going to be a new father anyway. Just Joseph? Felt, yeah, but his nickname was the turd. And trailer. They all had these kind of movie names. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That might be a little bit of res humor. I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, I could plead I could ignorance claim, on Yeah, it. me too. But, but they all had these handles that felt like yeah. video game characters, or d- just sort of chipped a little bit away at the reality that they were trying to present for me. Uh, there's a scene where they have to deal with the zombies and the the they're collecting stuff and. The guy runs down with everybody who's going to do what and what they're going to do like they haven't been doing this for nine months. It's completely for the audience. Yeah, I I caught that that. this last time. I understand that, but they wouldn't have that conversation. There's little things like that. I'm just pointing out quibbles. But I think there's some different, like there's some dynamic happening at that point where there there were more people coming into the community and they were trying to revisit their plan. That's, that, that's my excuse. Because uh, I, I was like, oh, I didn't notice this exposition dump yeah. the first time I saw it. and it, But then I was like, no, there's there's a different dynamic happening there and a bit of intensity from the moment that, you know, those uh, the guy brings in his, his daughter and the other, and the other character. Bit, yeah. 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 Well, and there's a time jump. And I like that when the original sort of zombie ground zero happens, a couple of our characters get bit before we understand, and mm-hmm. the movie establishes that they're immune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Trailer originally finds out that he's bit, he's like, well, fuck. Uh, yeah. What am I going to do with my last few hours here? How can I protect and serve while at it? But then we jump forward. And what I kind of thought and maybe feared that the movie was going to be about was going to be this conflict between you know, infected whitey, <laughs> you yeah. know, and now the the white man is going to represent somehow the quote-unquote wild Indians, and that's not what they do with it. They go much smarter with mm-hmm. it. When the refugees come coming to the native community begging for help, yes. yes, what will the answer be? 
Yeah. And instead of it just being, well, let's wholesale slaughter these guys, which I thought that was going to be, and <laughs> sort of like almost the understood, A, it's protecting your community, and B, we've been oppressed by them <laughs> since they got here, since yeah. the boats arrived. Yeah. So, sucks to be you, your turn. I'm not, well, why endanger a functioning, safe community by even letting potential zombies in? Even if they're not bit, sooner or later they're going to die. It's taking on mm -hmm. a very serious problem. And there's only a handful, at least initially, of the characters that go bad. But when they go bad, they go super ridiculously mm -hmm. on the verge yeah. of too bad, yeah, too far. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's a criticism uh, I have, yeah. The, the, the turn of Lysol just seemed a little, like, a little bit out of left field, a little bit. And but again, kill the Drug light. and alcohol induced, though. Sure. No, I think. Sure. And, and, and that elevates the anger. Mm -hmm. um, so I can, I can come up with excuses, but I do feel like that character is maybe a, a screenplay criticism could be what, what, what kind of what happens to him. But And I understand him being resentful of the white refugees and I understand mm -hmm. him wanting to punish people but stabbing his brother that, is that was point so no it, it no. just seemed out of I mean I, yeah, I get no. that this is viewed as the the good son or something like right. that and there could be and some there's built in jealousy, resentment but that's been there forever and, and I get and that. elevated by being you know the the level of intoxication at the time. But, but he goes full supervillain a little faster yeah. than I was comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. And agree. again, I'm kind of getting the negative stuff out of the way because yeah. I am going to be very positive yeah. about the movie. Yeah. Um, but it, I think the clever thing about it, although they went a little bit too far with his evil, is yeah. he was proven right. They should not have let those refugees they, no. in. Yep. Um, the one had lied that she was bit and is the person that bites him and uh, effectively destroys his manhood and, you know, triggers the rest of the movie. But again, in true zombie fashion, the real villain kind of becomes him and his squad of extremists. Yes. And yes. the zombies are just obstacles. So other than those things, and I've made more of a meal of them than I meant to, mm -hmm. this is a completely wall-to-wall, action-packed, and gory zombie movies. Increasingly these days, a lot of zombie movies are forgetting the gore. And I don't think you get accused no, there's lots of gore of forgetting the gore. So yeah. I'm a big, big fan. So I said all the negative stuff. You guys can say all the positive, okay? Well, I'm going to start with Michael Grayeyes, who plays uh, our cop protagonist. Trailer. Yeah. Um, he's actually been quite busy. I mean, he was in that terrible Firestarter movie. Um, oh. I haven't seen. I that knew yet. I'd seen him somewhere, but I couldn't didn't put that together. Oh God, he's been in, in a whole bunch of other things. Anyways, him and I think is it but the doctor. I don't his know. sort of pseudo love. Oh, yeah, interest. his love interest. Okay, they've yeah. been coming up. Th that was his ex, wasn't it? Right, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, she's good. I oh, I liked her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you, you know. I think you sort of tapped on it. There's some uh, some kind of. What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, hard to believe little moments that that you know could you know sort of dampen the film. Uh, always good to see Gary Farmer though. By the way, oh he's good. <laughs> oh, towards the end, always good man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's um, got. I do. Oh, I do love so like cool. the little animation uh, bits that sort of also bookend the film as well. Did, did you like that? Yeah. I thought yeah, that was yeah. a nice touch. 
Um, and it, it is a giant love letter to the, the Romero zombie films of, that we both grew up on. Well, it's a zombie movie with its own distinct identity. Yep. Which by itself is a harder thing to do these days. Yep. So, and, uh, yeah, it's such a good concept that it's one of those things, like, I'm surprised it hasn't come up already. Yep. <laughs> like, it, I also, on this recent watch, I picked up on, oddly enough, the influence of Tarantino. Is okay. in here. There's a, a rather elaborate and disgusting monologue about giving head to a woman, and then, uh, and then we we actually see like he's covered in blood, and the police, like, you know, uh, uh, and then like the the response is that's some repugnant shit. That's the most repugnant shit. It was like it sounded like Samuel L. Jackson right. when a, a line that Tarantino would give him. We actually have. Like Zed's dead is 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 is, 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 is said in there, and I do think that mix of the animation was a little bit of a Kill Bill type of quasi homage. It was done differently than like having like a full on anime sequence like in Kill Bill, but I don't know. I I didn't pick up on any any Tarantino influence there until until this recent viewing. yeah, I, I just think it's a just a solid idea that that first half an hour Before is a great up. movie unto itself. Yeah, I mean when they're trying to figure out everything and the the action and and they bring they bring the blood in, in in that sequence and they establish the characters in such a smart way. I suppose I could criticize like the the fish effects look a little bit wonky, yeah. but again, I like the independent. concept of it though. Yeah, like it, it came from the caribou and certain yeah. animals weren't affected, but you can't eat fish yeah. anymore; they're off the menu. I, yeah. I I have a question for if one of you can kind of figure this one out for me. Like, it's established, it's set in the nineteen eighties. Yep. Why is it set in the eighties? Is there a comment on environmental impact or like I I wasn't I, don't know. I wasn't sure why it and and what what was it usually that seemed very eighties? Usually, if it's set in the eighties, it's because of you know the classic horror movie convenience. Not everybody has cell phones, and it's much easier to isolate them. But they're already isolated. That's sort of the point. Yeah. They have a safe haven. How are they going to maintain it? I thought there'd be some sort of a payoff to that, or there'd be something that'd be more overtly eighties. In there, I guess a couple of the characters, you know, the the one who causes a lot of damage sneaks in there. Has a kind of a bit of an '80s look about her, but I I really didn't I didn't yeah. get why that I'd was in there. Kind of forgotten until you mentioned it. Yeah, to be I forgot after the first time I saw it, but then I was like, okay, but yeah. When it says all these months later, we're still in the '80s here. We haven't jumped years ahead, so I, I just didn't completely get that. But the sam- the samurai sword stuff. Man, that was cool. And bloody. Oh, cool. <laughs> and bloody. And I, I'm never leaving this. I mean, what a great moment. I mean, like, is there anybody badder than that character? Like, <laughs> cooler and badder than... What a way to go. But And all the stuff surrounding, like, again, I, um, I, I, I praised another actor who was in a tough situation and is pregnant and giving birth. Yeah. Similar type of thing here. But, wow, like... Devastating, devastating stuff that happens. When we lose characters, it matters in this movie. Yeah, and, and, and they're not afraid. I was shocked to, to see the sheriff character go. To be yeah. perfectly that, honest, it was like we still have this much time left in the movie, and we've kind of lost our arguably our main character. Certainly, who like, we like the most, who I again, like the most. All the yeah. rules are out the door. Like the that other movie I talked about on my list that I praised heavily. Yeah, and I, 
again, I, I, I think this is one I will go back to several times. I mean, I, I kind of think it should be uh, a mainstream horror classic. I'd like to hear some of like the American podcasters talking about this one a little bit more. And I don't know. I know it was at the Toronto International Film Festival was where it got most yep. of its attention. I, I don't know if it got kind of south of the border and beyond, uh, but it, it probably should. And it's tragic, but the fact that the director has yeah, passed away might help its legacy. Yeah. I mean, I, that sucks yeah, to say out loud, but I do think it's a fact. Like, what could have been, yeah. Do you think all the colonialism allegory stuff is laid on too thick? No, I no, thought, not at all. I was no, worried that it was no. going to be. That yeah. was my yeah. worry going yeah, into it. Yeah, no, it all seemed very plausible within mm -hmm. the confines of the story. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't really, you know, pander to, like, light guilt. It's not yeah. like... It wants to entertain you. Yes, yes, as it does. Like I think it, it it's could almost be a double with Get Out. I yeah. mean, in that in that way, where it, it entertains you, it has, it has this greater message. Yeah. But it's no, no matter which way you take it, you're going to be entertained by this film. And this is much more of a teeth and tissue horror movie. It is, yes, than, than yeah. Get Out. But uh, Get Out made it to my list. Unfortunately, <laughs> again, I don't feel good about this not being on my list. But yeah. here it is. It's the most scared I've been. That look you just gave me. Like, you're going to punch me because no, I was no. on your list. I mean, it, it made my list for a reason. I think it's an amazing zombie film. Yeah, it's good enough. Good enough. position for me I'd said I almost put Piranha Double D or not Double D sorry Piranha 3D as my guilty pleasure and I felt shame or guilt that I didn't include Aja's The Hills Have Eyes in the previous uh, decade one we talked about because I do really think that remake overperformed for me but I'm giving Crawl Yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking I, about Crawl later I <laughs> understand that it is not a smart movie I understand that the like if you knew anything biologically about these animals, <laughs> yeah. then you would just be running from the theater. Yeah. I understand that Barry Pepper walks on a severely broken leg <laughs> and that it's like completely <laughs> stupid. But I have a fucking blast yep. every time I watch Crawl. Yep. And if it's another one of those titles if someone's visiting and is like you haven't seen Crawl? Seriously? Yep. Let's watch Crawl. It's like 85 minutes of your life, and it's completely worth your time. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I also have a soft spot for these, like, when animals attack movies. Yep. And really, the strange strength of the movie is that it's not the character arcs or the, you know, the sort of personal wins yep. that really are the highlights of the movie. The silliest, goofiest scenes in the movie yep. are the highlights of the movie. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yep. It's like, the dumber it gets, the bigger my smile goes. Yep. And it's not a guilty pleasure. Yep. Why? Because I think it's an incredibly difficult movie mm -hmm. to make. Yep. And I think that it was firing on all cylinders. And I just, 
I, and part of me wants it to be deeper in the list, but I just I, twenty twenty eighth position it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I think it was also wise that it did not kill the dog. They yeah. set it up there. They set it up there, and they set it up there. Set it up there. Excuse me. And I was waiting and waiting, and I was so happy when the climax was over. Yay, was like the dog! Reverse trolling. You know, it was great. Yeah. No. So we will be talking about crawl later. Okay. Yes, we will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I might have been alone on that one. So you were not alone. It's it's up there for sentimental value, but I I loved technically everything about crawl, even when like the, the the policemen get turned like in a yeah. spiral in the dark. That's, I mean, <laughs> the attention right, to detail there. It's ridiculous. There's it's, a scene in that movie where a, a yeah. crocodile yeah. smashes through a wooden staircase. Yep. And then there's a scene a few little while later where a, a crocodile cannot get through a glass shower door. Yep. <laughs> so, like, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's, it's confoundingly yep. silly, but I love it. In no way is Barry Pepper walking out of that movie either in real life. Like, just, like, it's his femurs, man. His it's, femurs. It's just a little bit broken. Yeah, but, you know, me lovey. Me right. lovey. Beckman's turn, number 27th. So, number 27th was probably, I don't know if it was the best, but one of the best cinematic experiences that I saw with a crowd. This movie is so much fun, and it made me laugh out loud a couple of times. And uh, and that is uh, Cabin in the Woods by Drew Goddard. Yeah. That movie is a lot of fun. Um, shout out to Chris Hemsworth, who, who dies gloriously. And you knew it was coming. Yep. But I still went, Mah! and uh, uh, But honestly, like the best part uh, of that movie... Um, where I, I'm going to give it to Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. Oh, yeah, that's a, you a, never right. go wrong with Richard yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, but, Richard, Richard Jenkins is, if you can have him in your movie. Yeah, 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 yeah do it. Do the, it. But all, the fact they're taking plus. office bets, yeah. mwah, Bella. And I do love the meta horror in it, and I love the ending of that movie and oh. what it's really saying. Um, I think uh, even though Yas Whedon has been sort of outcasted by Hollywood, meh, whatever. But I love me some Drew Goddard. Do not Goddard. take Cabin in the Woods away from Yas Whedon. Yeah, yeah. I know Drew Goddard definitely had his hand. He directed yeah. it and co-wrote it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not allowed to like Yas Whedon anymore, yeah. but we can respect yeah. that the man could write a hell of a screenplay. Yeah, but every, yeah, every single time Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins are on the movie, I have a big old smile on their face. I am a big supporter of that yeah. particular picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I, when, when you first invited me to be on this show, yeah. I thought guaranteed it's going to be on my top 30 list and then I watched more and more and more and then it slowly drifted away so a big runner up I yeah I I don't know I, this might be one where the next time I watch I'm like why didn't I put it in but I yeah all the things you said are absolutely true I, I love it I love how it kind of changed some things for the horror genre I know some people who don't like it they don't like meta anything with their horror and the 90s kind of spoiled the meal for meta for a lot of hardcore horror fans because yeah. as much as scream revitalized interest in horror it kind of took a lot of the horror out of the genre a yeah. little bit it became more fun it became more winky and uh that yeah it made it less scary i think a balance can be struck and i think that cabin in the woods this is a good balance, balance it is a good balance yeah. and completely abandoned by the studio that made the movie yeah like, they didn't know what they had at all yeah no and no, it's, it's, it's a, a spring shame. release or something like that and it became, well, they sat on it for almost three years yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a 2011 release, but I believe it was filmed in 2009. Was it also a victim of the writer's strike? Or? Mm, I can't I, remember. Yeah, yeah that was so long ago. I don't know. But yeah. But there you go. Cabin in the Woods. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. My number 27 is uh, Under the Shadow. Thank you for introducing that one to me. Uh, Babek Anvari. Um, so we'll discuss it again during the review. And I, I spent the first little while thinking, like, this is, this is more of like a. A, a drama but the horror creeps in creeps in creeps in the other thing i say and i may repeat it when we review it is i kind of feel like because i'd watched these around the same time that this is what evil dead rises should be apartment complex you've got a demon but the restraint of this filmmaker and i guess it was it was i mean serious and tragic, but I had more fun watching it than I did with Evil Dead Rises. It's a weird comparison, but I kept thinking of the two of them. They're similar in setting, but I think that's... Not, they're different in style. Everywhere you know, else, but, I would say they're but different. But I, I much preferred this to that. Right. Um, but we've talked about this before, that kind of the, the switch out of the Bruce Campbell Evil Dead movies has been a, a tough ad adjustment for right. me. So, um, But anyway, yeah, talking more about Under the Shadow... Thank you, and you know another uh, non-English language horror movie, which is uh, very impactful. I mean, I was thinking about it for days afterwards. It had to be on the list. Again, I put some other ones ahead that, again, you might argue later on. Well, some of some that stretch the definition of horror are ahead of it. Um, but you know, I think if we had a top drama list as well, this could make that list too because it's a yeah. just a solid film all around. Well, we will get to uh, Under the Shadow. We'll do a full-length review of that one. So you. let's press on. Um, in 27th position for myself, of course, found footage was going to be represented, and there is plenty of found footage to choose from. But also here, I'm going to talk about anthologies mm -hmm. and an anthology series that really came to the top of people's attention this decade was the VHS series. Yep. In particular here, I'm shouting out VHS 2. Yep. I guess an honorable mention to the other VHS movies, but in a way, I think it utilizes found footage in its best possible way. Yep. I think a short 15 minutes to half an hour horror film and found footage can be absolutely great. Yep. And the VHS franchise locked into that and uh, has had increasingly positive success with it. I think VHS Viral has been the weakest by far, but VHS 1 and 2 is very much worth your time in visiting. Since I'm also talking about anthologies, I also want to shout out two other anthologies that I couldn't find room for on the list, but that I like a lot. Canadian-made Christmas Horror Story. Sounds like it would be a waste of your time. Completely worthy <laughs> Christmas horror movie watch. And another one produced, I believe, by Larry Fessenden and using him as a voice performer called Southbound. Yep. It's another so very solid so good. Uh, heard anthology about movie, yeah. but I'm going to give it to VHS 2. And I think, like, VHS might have cracked the code on found footage. Mm -hmm. There have been other great found footage movies this, this decade, and I will talk about some of them. But, uh, yeah, if you like it, you should definitely seek out any VHS movie, really. Yeah, yeah, VH2 is one of those rare anthology movies where I don't think there's a bad story in the bunch. They are all terrifying. That alien one at the end, yeah. the first time I saw it, holy mother of God. And, and that the is the director of Hobo with a Shotgun, yeah. Canadian director. Yeah. yeah. 
and then and then there's the one from the um, director of the Raid, Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans, his one about the cult, just <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of butt puckering moments in that particular yep. picture. Have uh, you seen VHS too? Whew. Yeah, here, here here's my problem. Uh-oh. Um it's not with VHS too. I I'm not using the word hated. Greatly 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 disliked VHS right. to the point where I, I wasn't sure I wanted to go on this journey. Yeah. I had sort of heard that two was the best it's the stronger but, one but i and that's maybe where i should have gone the first vhs which uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you you enjoyed it i only liked one story that was the one done by ty west oh wow i wow. everything else i could have done without and that was one of my least favorites and that was your least favorite we, yeah. we talked about how we have very different tastes yeah i i i, I could not stand the characters there is a weird seeing, theme like, of uh, sexism. And, yes. Uh, it wasn't done intentionally because all the films were made separately. But yeah, the sexist sort of ugly uh, undercurrent theme and the fact that it's over two hours long of constant shaky camera wears a lot of people mm -hmm. out. VHS 2, I think it's like 96 minutes. Yep. And, uh, uh, and the stories are much more distinct. They don't have this theme of awfulness through them. Yeah. Uh, maybe VHS 2 will will change my mind on this, but I, I was like, am I going to go through and watch all of these if the first one was such a lousy experience? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah and one of the directors, uh, well, a couple of the folks connected to this appear on my list with other movies later yeah. on, so I'm not giving up on the directors or anything like this, but I just, like... I, Part of me your, your lead-in has to be, I don't know, I, I have like, to If there were a somebody. series of web shorts that you could just watch one at a time, they would almost be more effective. Like, cumulatively, it gets to be a lot. Mm -hmm. Between the screaming and the shaking mm -hmm. and being reintroduced, having to restart the story every 20 minutes, like, there is something to be said for that wearing people out. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But... I think that VHS 2 is the best that the franchise yeah. has, has come to so far. So yeah. if VHS 2 doesn't work for you, then that, definitely that, that stop. The Halloween yeah. Haunted House one almost worked for me, but then it became kind of, yeah. again, I was just like, the, I could not, the characters that would set up all of these stories, I, I just had no time for. These are the opposite of people I want to be around, and so then I'm, you know, forced to be with them for a couple hours, so I don't know if that improves with VHS 2 or not but so full confession uh, as I was looking at my list and going all right I have to start cutting yeah I have to start cutting um, VH2 was one of the movies where I looked at and it, and like I had the, you know, before I locked in my list I had five films you know in my hand going okay am I going to disclose like ha have this film not on the list and it hurts so much because I agree with you like that that movie is 90 some minutes of terror and uh, I just go, it's it's in my honorable mention, spoilers, yeah. <laughs> because it, it deserves to be here. It, it, I just, once again, the, this list came from my gut and my heart, yeah. and but I, I completely understand, and I feel shame. No worries, brother. 26th position. Let's All keep right. this truck moving. So at 26, I want to talk about this filmmaker named Adam Wingard. Um, he made this way better than it should have been Blair Witch Movie, which, yes, has its flaws, and way better than it should have been Fun Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. But I, I, I love me, the, uh, uh, and even though it's not on the list, his tribute to, like, 90s kind of thriller horror, The Guest, which is just a bizarre movie. But not quite genre enough for mm -hmm. me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
I, I dug what it was going for, but I want to talk about, because I love me some slashers, and uh, in, in this decade he gave us Your Next, which is just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. It's bloody, it's violent, it's got an amazing cast, um, it was a good time. Um, I love me your next. Uh, Adam Wingard is, I think, a filmmaker that we still should keep an eye on. Yeah, I think he he's he's doing he's doing he's doing good stuff. He's doing good stuff. Yeah, you uh, will hear about your next you, later on. Your next is going to be on all three of our lists. Oh, then. good. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, one, it, it it is a horror comedy. I think there is enough funny in it that you could call it a comedy. Yeah, but the horror is. Still so strong in that it's movie. It's juicy. Yeah, like it doesn't let you relax ever, and I respect that about it. Especially with calm horror comedies, yeah. sometimes it just eventually the movie becomes one thing or the other. Yeah. That's really the powerful thing about Scream. Yeah, that it, it maintains both for the entire run. This is the movie that made me just kind of shake my head at Ready or Not. This is the film that I wanted. Ready or not, or was it? Is it ready or not? Ready, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're essentially the same movie. Yeah, yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah, but this came out way earlier. And is shout out to Ty West, by the way, who plays Tariq. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love the lead as well. Um, Larry Fessenden's in it as yes, well. Yes, yes. Barbara, Barbara Crampton is in it. Yes. Um, like, I'm trying to find. Um, the, the Australian lead. actress from Bait. I can't think of her name. I want to say it's Sharni Vincent. Oh, Sharni. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, she's she's really good, and I'm surprised she hasn't made bigger, bigger, bigger movies. But she's also amazing, amazing in it. So um, I think she yeah. steals the movie for me. You're yeah. next. Yeah, great, great time, great time at the movies. Yeah, it really is. Twenty <laughs> six. Yes, please. Yes, uh, I'm I'm going with, and this is one I probably wouldn't have come across if it wasn't for listening to your reviews on on uh, Rankin Review. Pie Wacket. Oh, yes. uh, yeah. Directed by Adam McDonald. Um, absolutely brilliant movie about i mean i i work with uh teenage girls and they do get mad at their moms irrational and, teenage hate yeah, yeah and uh can get very connected to the occult stuff and make that part of their identity and you're calling on a witch to kill your mother is probably not the best thing as this uh, girl discovers yeah uh it is i did the beginning to end it was it was just a uh, a terrific it, it doesn't overstay its welcome um it's it's just a solid horror movie i would say for those seeking out uh still fairly independent horror movies um it is canadian is it or did i just it's yeah i believe it is the director did another movie called uh, backwood or backcountry yeah about a bear attack uh, I thought I saw something in the credits there about he's made both canada. movies in canada i guess i yeah. don't know i think it's supposed to be set in Upstate New York right. or, or something like that. Uh, Lori Holden from The Walking Dead yep. does a great job as the mother as well. But uh, we get the girl's name, Nicole Muniz. Yeah. Uh, she she really carries the film well. And so there but, is nothing yeah. wrong with that selection. Nope, it's definitely like one of these curse movies where someone feels like corralled into the hor most horrific possible ending that we can we can come up with. Yeah. But I do really like the movie. And in any other decade, it would be yeah. on the list. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, like, again, this is going to happen over and over again. Really like that movie. No problem with that pick yeah. at all. It just didn't make my list. Yeah. It just didn't quite make yep. my list. And I love the paranoia in the middle towards the, the third act of the film. It was the mother-daughter thing that when when a mom and a teenage daughter really start 
getting at each other, it can become so oh, ugly. Yeah. Yep. So ugly. Yeah. And really movies have tapped into yeah. that yeah. as well as Pio Wackett. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it it feels like it should be on my list. It yeah. just isn't somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Too many movies. Uh, loved it. Yeah. I, I love The Witch. I love the performances. Uh, I, it's not on my list, but once again, I'm so not wagging my finger. I just sort of yeah. I hang my head in shame. Well, maybe the, one of the reasons that Pio Wackett isn't on my list is because, as I said, each group has an incredibly personal choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you talk about discoveries for the podcasts. I find a cheap horror movie. I think, hey, I'll give it a try. I would like to talk about We Are Still Here. You. From... Uh, Ted Gagan, I believe is his name. Yep. Um, and it's also produced by Dark Sky Films, Larry Fessenden's the distribution company. And Larry Fessenden has like a major supporting role. Not one of his cameo roles, but it's a major supporting role. And what I so love about this little celebrated ghost movie is it starts with the patient vibe of a ghost movie like The Changeling mm-hmm. or The Innkeepers, mm-hmm. where it's like these people are dealing with the loss. They think there's a haunting, and we're going to just hit you with atmosphere. We're going to hit you with melancholy. And it starts off being that movie. And it ends Evil Dead 2. <laughs> like, yep. it goes so fucking crazy and so hard in a way that you are not anticipating in the third act that it really, like, for some people, breaks the movie. Like, it feels like. Like a from dusk till dawn type of like thing where yeah. like I was liking this sort of slow burn that we were having and now there's a <laughs> chick with six steak knives in her throat. Like it's like yeah. there's a holy shit factor to the movie that really makes it memorable. And I, I don't know why, I just keep coming back to it. I'll be often feeling like I want something quick to watch. This is another one of these eighty minutes mm-hmm. quick and dirty horror movies gets it done. And it's not perfect, but it just hits me in this sweet spot it gives me the feels it it feels in a way like the type of movie that if i could i would have made (laughs) (laughs) like i i i I get the idea of the writer director sitting back with the house of audience and watching people first squirm and then suddenly be like completely shocked at how crazy the movie gets where the joy of the story is the reaction that you're going to get out of your audience and I don't know. It just never left me, and uh, maybe it sh- maybe this is the spot where Piawakit should be, but it's not going to be on neither of your guys' lists. But I enjoy <laughs> so it. I enjoy it's it. on mine, damn it. Yeah, yeah. It's on my to watch. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Larry showed it to me, and I, I understand why it's here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not on my list, but yes. Um, so at number 25, I have a tie. And I want to talk about this filmmaker that. You two ties in the list already. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I want to talk about this director that you actually introduced me to, to, uh, introduced me to, with Troll Hunter, but that is a uh, Andre Overdahl. Yeah, um, I love me some like preteen PG thirteen horror. You know, that's you know that's how I sort of you know brought in my into the horror genre to begin with, uh, and it's the kind of film that like Amblin Spielberg I almost would would make, and also it's an amazing anthology store. And yet, it's it's they're all tied to the overall narrative as well. Um, scary stories. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Anytime you've got Giel, Guillermo del Toro's thumb of approval, who I do believe produced this movie, you can uh, tell because of the monsters. Yeah, yeah, the monsters are amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are amazing. Like with each story, the monsters get better and better. 
Um, I, I haven't showed Maya this movie yet. I want to, but um, that movie, I, I was just, I went, yeah, yeah, and when you, I saw it. Are you pairing it with uh, Troll Hunter? Or no, with, not, uh, not Troll Autopsy. Hunter. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah. Um, I would love to see this almost as a play. It's a it's a great two, two-hander. I know mm-hmm. the girlfriend's in there as well, and there are other characters. Shout out to the actor who plays the witch as well. She yeah. has a tough role. That's not a special effect. They yeah. had an actress on yeah. the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She, she's great. I Credited love, as Jane Doe. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I love how the mystery just unravels, and uh, you know, just the attention to detail uh, of the job that these two actors are doing. Um, Overdahl is an MVP. Yeah, for me for the decade. Yeah, I really wanted to put Troll Hunter on this list, yeah. but I just couldn't find room for it. Yeah, I love Troll Hunter. But yeah, it's I know. I love it too. I love it too. And look, it was. It, it was one of those films that went on and off and on and off, and yeah. I went, you know, I'm going to put scary stories because that that hospital sequence mm-hmm. with with that woman just wants question, a hug. Just, just, a, just wants a, a hug. A, a white lady who wants a hug. Holy <laughs> shit! Like I just, just holy shit. Just give her a hug, man. Yeah, it's be fine. Yeah. So um, Jason doesn't look as happy about this. Election. Well. I didn't have time to give it another day in court. I watched scary stories on the plane. Right. And yeah. I, I, I really it. did not. Wrong uh, way to see wrong it. Wrong way to see it completely. I, I recognize that now, but I, yeah, I didn't care for it much. I mean, I don't, I can't remember really liking the stories or, you know, but I will give it another day in court, but I just didn't get around to watching it for a reassessment because yeah. I have some reassessments that made the list here. Um, but the autopsy of Jane Doe, we will be talking about. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's um, me, Reiki. Solid choice, brother. Okay, In twenty fifth position. Twenty fifth position. This is one of the big ones, uh, and it might be on one or both of your lists. But I have it up at twenty five. Uh, Fede Alvarez's "Don't Breathe." Mm. Uh, first time I watched it, I think. I almost had a similar thing, not to the level of VHS, but I actually had to return to it to watch it again because, again, we're introduced to, like, Michigan and Detroit, Michigan. It's kind of become an interesting setting for horror movies recently. Um, It's certainly with Barbarian. Late-stage capitalism manifest physically is Detroit now. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. And um, I I just couldn't stand these characters, and they're going to break into... Uh, the, the home of a tough. blind veteran, and it turns out he is way, way, way more horrible than uh, than they are. But I'm, I was having trouble. Like, who am I supposed to like? But la- the last time I watched, it, I was like, I just completely no, like, just appreciate all of the, the amazing stuff going on. Great filmmaking, <laughs> the photography. Stephen Lang, who I have yeah. not been a fan of with the Avatar movies, because right, yeah. uh, he's half a dimension of a character in that he's he's given a lot to do here uh, i even like the bizarre sequel where suddenly we're supposed to like this yeah, horrible I can't man go for you that far but i, I, I won't go that far but breathe. i, I oh, was, yeah. oh, but i was yeah. entertained by the sequel but don't breathe is superior and it, it, it kind of had to be on the list so it's yeah. number 25 for me we will be talking about fede alvarez i Again, I just drew the line. This is a, more of a thriller. It's so scary while you're watching it. It feels like a horror movie, but it's a home invasion thriller. Uh, I, I could have maybe paired it with another Fede Alvarez film, but it didn't make the list. But there's a lot of great thrillers this decade. Did you see Green Room? 
yep. uh, Bone Tomahawk, Killist. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. all of these movies that are terrifying, but they weren't sold as horror movies. Yeah. So uh, I don't. I will not fight that. That was on my list for a long time, yeah. but I justified taking it off. Yeah, for whatever. Oh, reason. we we, yeah. we will be talking about Don't Breathe. <laughs> I, I figured it would be on yep. somebody's um, list besides mine. In 25th position for me, this is arguably the most mainstream selection that might even surprise you guys that it's on my list. I wouldn't be surprised if Conjuring shows up in one of your guys' list. I figured the Conjuring universe doesn't need my help at this yeah. point. Yeah. The Insidious universe doesn't need my help at this point. But as far as those quiet, quiet boo movies that were released en masse, the one that works for me is Sinister from mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson starring Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. And again, like, it shouldn't work. It Like, there's a sort of formula to this type of picture, which is definitely followed, but uh, the elements of the rickety found, you know, Super 8 found footage and the darkness of the house and how strangely frightening I found the movie. When I reviewed the movie on the podcast, I believe I ended up ranking Mama ahead of it. Yeah. But I don't think if I was making that rank today, I would stick by that. Mm-hmm. I think that... Sinister has hung around for some reason with me, mm-hmm. and I like Scott Derrickson. He we talked about. He went on to Doctor Strange, and yeah, Scott Derrickson, and he's gone on to bigger, better, better things. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, of Sinister. The sequel was somewhat lackluster. I yeah. think because the mythology of the story was so complete, it didn't maybe lend itself well mm-hmm. to franchising. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think it works better as a standalone piece. And yeah, you know, the the image of the boogeyman is very much what you would expect an industry stamped boogeyman mm-hmm. to look like. But I don't know. The movie either works or it doesn't. And this one worked for me. I didn't make my list. I, I almost wish I could have had kind of like a don't breathe reevaluation of it. I saw it in theaters. I remember admiring the filmmaking, the sound design in particular. Right. But it didn't work for me completely back then I wonder if it worked for me better now right. so a reevaluation will happen but it didn't make my list so yeah all right sorry we will be talking about sinister oh, okay so <laughs> make your list. All right. uh, I agree with everything you said good deal so, 24th position mr. Beckman so we've talked about Peter Strickland before and we're and doing it again and we're doing it again because I I just thought he made two great horror films and that is uh, I hope I say this correctly because I've tried the uh, I've flubbed it a couple of times Barbarian Sound Studio. Mm-hmm. I love horror movies about haunted movies. Uh, Cigarette Burns is another one that comes to mind. I also love you know movies about sound engineers. Big fan of Brian De Palma's Blowout. Um, but um, just the general mood and the slow burn of it. Um, the fact that he is driven insane by and it definitely What's sort the central of central actor Toby. Jones? Yes. Is it Toby Jones? Yeah, it is Toby Jones. Um, it is Toby Jones. He's really good in it. Everyone's really good. I, I just love the color palette of that movie. It's it's a nightmarish fever dream of a film, which I'm also a sucker for. I know the ending could be kind of... He's absorbed by the film, if I'm not mistaken. There were so many movies this decade about psychological decay. Yeah. And I think that's what we're really looking at in this one. But I think, like so many of them, it's open for interpretation. Yeah. He is hired to do a sound mix for a movie, which he doesn't realize is a horror movie. Yeah. And it's clearly one of these old giallo films. And the film is so steeped 
in late 60s, 70s giallo vibe, yeah. that it almost belongs more to that decade yeah. than to this one. Yeah. And that was my excuse for leaving it off the, the, the list. Yeah. But that central performance yeah. is super good. Yeah. And the whole business of the, the Foley artist, how you get that bone snapping yeah. sound. Oh, and wow. yeah. We don't often see what he's looking at, but yeah. we see him making these sound effects yeah. and we see it getting to him. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you can say that the film corrupted him, or you can just say that he went fucking crazy, or yeah, you, there there are many avenues to take. Yeah, uh, it's it's again a very solid pick. I yeah. love Toby Jones, and this sounds great, but I haven't seen it. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, put it on the list for sure because yeah, I think that on. is uh, definitely one that you would find interesting. If you like movies, it's about making I, movies. I think yeah. I like them. Yeah, I don't <laughs> no, know. Well, I've, I, uh, that's come across I, to me. I'm a sucker for them as yeah. well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number twenty-four. This is uh, a Canadian independent movie that's very difficult to get your hands on, um, but it's a book. Book of Trespasses is Are you for serious? me number twenty-four. It, it needs to be on my list. <laughs> I I've watched it twice. I watched two cuts of it. Uh, the early cut um, uh, blew me away, and there 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 I, I love every part of it. Um, uh, it is a subjective thing because I am talking to the director and actor and writer here. But and I know Matt Burgess and uh, I know Josh Beaudry and, and yeah. Liz Nepchuk and and this is sometimes I've mentioned this on your show when we're talking about. A movie and I'm being really hard on it and I'm saying okay how how is it that okay we you know we don't criticize the acting in some of the horror movies when you made a micro budget horror movie and the acting is a plus and the story is a plus and uh, I just personally I love it I mean the stuff that we, we talked about there were things that I, I really love that I knew was gonna be cut later on your mm -hmm. sequence at the beginning like yeah. you know um uh that that scene there with kevin i mean it's I just it's it's beautiful so anyway i it's, it's uh i just wanted to put it on here i didn't know where it was going to fit in the, the list here but well i'm not for me it's number 24 talking about book of trespasses but it's off the list because you can't get a physical copy of it because yeah we've never found a home for i it. didn't have that rule for myself <laughs> i didn't allow ties though that was the other thing i that I, is incredibly sweet ties, so. of you jason i'm not crying you're <laughs> crying that's what <laughs> i'm saying and, and lee you're making a, a, a cameo appearance uh, oh, yeah. yes because yeah. i drool well uh <laughs> i can't talk rationally about it yeah. it just it's a lot to put your heart and back and soul into something yeah. and get nothing back in return well, and, and, yeah. and I saw the years you put into it so yeah. I, I want to like publicly shout that out as well as that is know. very kind yeah. of you Jason yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it cracks the best of the decade for the record but well, I for, think for that's me very it did kind of so it's a subjective thing <laughs> you're sweet like sugar. I am not ashamed of that movie I am not I, I, yeah. I don't even exactly regret it I just I just wish people could watch it is yeah. that too much to ask? Well, and I'd love to have a physical copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a dying jam corner. I shall meet him. Mama, jam corner. No, not Yes, 
until another meal. I loved Under the Shadow. I mean, I I think I pointed it out to you. I remember I remember after I watched it, I think I talked to you about it. I said, yeah, make time for it. It's a very solid movie. Um, there's lots of good things to be said about it. Uh, I do parallel it a little bit with the Babadook this decade in that it's yeah. got this really strong mother-child relationship and they get isolated on a precipice of a tragedy and they have to defend themselves from a supernatural entity which yeah. is largely a metaphor for perhaps something else. Um, I think loneliness, again, is a big component here. Yep. But what I love, love, love about the, quote, escalation of the movie is that it's a slow taking away of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Originally, when we meet our character, she's got her husband with her, yep. and she's got this community around her. And even though it's wartime and the city's regularly being hit with bombs, like, everybody knows where to go. There's a s- alarm that sounds, yep. and we get to see the routine. And every time this routine repeats itself, there are fewer people. And there's bigger empty spaces in the apartment. Yep. And they start it pretty low. And this is a true thing about apartment buildings. I remember my grandparents lived in a high-rise when I was a kid, and I would run around being a brat. And you open the door to the stairwell, and you hear this sort of ghostly, howly mm-hmm. wind mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. that would come out of the elevator shaft. And just this weird compression areas that happen with the airflow in the building. And it happens in all of them. And it's this background sound that's happening in There's the movie. There's lots of wind. And it gets mm-hmm. bigger and bigger. As it's the apartment's emptying out. And it slowly starts to become like the entire world is empty. Except for this woman and her child. We are left with all of these empty rooms. Mm-hmm. And this ghostly howl. Mm-hmm. And this paranoia. Because there is a jinn or some kind of supernatural, demonic, evil present. Mm-hmm. And yeah. unlike most Western movies, the plot's not worried about all of the neighbors or the local constabularies <laughs> trying to disprove it. Everyone accepts that yeah. it's real yeah. and they get the fuck out of it. <laughs> it's, it's in the Quran. So yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And uh, I just love, like, that's just a totally different approach <laughs> that they take Jeez. to it, but it's fine. Yeah. And. As we slowly get whittled down to this woman and her her little kid completely alone dealing with the terrifying scenario and the fact that <laughs> at one point she's chasing her child outside and she gets stopped by the police to give her help for not having her hair covered. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She is utterly on her fucking no. own. No. There is no, no one she can go to for help. Yeah. And she is facing off against things that she has no power against <laughs> at all. Yeah. She is completely helpless and at the whim to it. And this is what she is set against. Yeah. And the movie is escalating spookiness and... Um, it, it comes from a different culture, obviously. We don't, we're not as familiar with it here. Well, it takes place in the in the Iran Iraq rebellion. Yeah, and uh, she's her husband's out in the war, and the, she just abandons sort of to hold things together as best she can, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it's just how well modulated the movie is, like. Yeah. It just it's slowly turning the screws. It's patient. It trusts you. It makes things like a blanket moving terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Like, 
I I gave it an honorable mention, but it's like, why isn't it on the list <laughs> yet again? Yeah. This whole episode's going to be an echo chamber of that. But if you haven't seen Under the Shadow, and a lot of people haven't, this is my official endorsement. <laughs> if you didn't know anything about the movie, and this is one of the things I love about it. Come a little closer, uh, brother. Oh, sorry. Um, if you didn't know anything about the movie, then um, I think this is one of the things I love about it. Um, is that it's a war film for really about the first four, 40 minutes before anything supernatural. Yeah. It's sort of the war that brings on the demonic force. Oh, no, it feeds All off of misery. All of the negative energy sort of brings yeah, it, it feeds out. off mem- uh, misery. And once it gets, you know, an object that is very dear and personal to you, you know, the curse is locked in. I love the fact, and, and they might have stole this from Repulsion, but I don't care, <laughs> that that giant crack that starts to, mm-hmm. you know... As her in, uh, sanity is quickly deteriorating, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. until we find out that's how the djinn are getting in. A very similar thing is used in a movie called The Canal. Yep. Like, literally, the crack in the wall, I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, l- I love that element. and But when when the supernatural is ramped up, uh, there it's terrifying. <laughs> Even how, the, you know, the thing, you know, with the blankets, where we see it, you know, go up the stairs or through the roof. Um. Yeah. yeah, it's my turn to thank Lee for <laughs> bringing this movie in, in into my life, and yeah, I I think for two thirds it feels like uh, a drama. Yep. You know, with the backdrop, a brilliant backdrop. They, you know, Iraq, Iran, war, uh, and with all those like bombing drills, and they're constantly everybody's going down. The, the basement, but there's also kind of they're a community, but they're also a bit judgmental of each other, and they're they're worried about kind of the there's the the creepy kid who got rescued, and yeah, just simply because he doesn't talk, well, he's so traumatized by war, but he's the one who apparently tells the little girl about the demon, yeah, um, and like how all of that builds up. Uh, I, I love the stuff like I talked about the um, the timing of it. The Jane Fonda uh, workout tape. tape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a little bit of it, like within it, there's the cultural pieces. There's certainly an acknowledgement of, uh, for lack of a better term, the sexism within the culture. Oh, no, it's an underlying tension and, and part of her All throughout. Theory. And the fact that um, the father says, oh, go and live with my family. And she refuses no. to do that. Is This is. She chooses. This, this. is her. Her, her rebellion in some ways. Yep. And, I mean, like ultimately, what are they trying to do at the end? Trying to get a, get away. I mean, right right to the, the bitter end here. But, yeah, when, when it goes full-on horror towards the end, I mean, it's intense. And, I, I, again, I, I, I've said it more than once here. I, I, I feel like I had watched two movies set about a demon set in an apartment building um one of very americanized films chicago apartment building and then this one and this one just knocked it out of the park for me and i'm not sure a fraction of the people will see under the shadow that will see evil dead rises right um and i this performance nargis rashida rashidi let's say that's right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh 
brilliant from beginning to end when she's when she's trying to get back into medical school and, and is being refused and how for all these stupid reasons and how she's refused. giving up her dreams there yep. all throughout and then just pure survival as a mother trying to protect her daughter and another we keep talking about these sometimes we, we end up criticizing these child actors another wonderful child yeah, performance you, not a step and wrong. she's I yeah. totally believe her as this little girl and she loses her lucky uh, what was it the stuff oh. It's a teddy bear. The teddy bear. They spend a great chunk of the oh, movie trying to find. Well, it, it's the thing that I the mean, gin latches on to. I mean, it, it's, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's told early on when, when we're first introduced to the idea that, you know, this is that, that, that a gin exists that what starts the curse off or what, what makes them eternally cursed unless they can get it away from it are, are these like, deeply personal objects. And mm-hmm. we know for hers, it's that medical book. Yeah, because her father had signed it, and obviously yeah. it's the—I think it's an elephant, actually. Okay, I can't remember. Yeah, stuff, yeah, it the, was the stuffed toy. Like yeah, uh, and that's the last thing we see of this movie. Yeah, um, it's still there. Yeah, and it still has the idea. Yeah, but then we have those, the ru- those empty even though, shots. So even though they have run, run away, the curse is not no. over. No, nothing's defeated. The, the yeah. last shots are brilliant. I mean, yeah. the, the the shots of the apartment. See, that's and what's why left. I think it's also very similar. To, it's a very tragic ending with the Babadook as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but, no. Well, and I wanted to bring it back. One of the reasons I brought up the Babadook, I mean, obviously the parental thing, but the Babadook, I think, is pretty implicitly like a metaphor for grief and dealing with your trauma. And it never fully goes away. You're always going to be nursing this thing. Hence her going down into the basement and and feeding her Babadook. My question is, and I don't know that I have a clear answer, is if the gin is a metaphor for something, what is it? Is it loneliness? Is it oppression? War. All of these. Yeah. Well, it yeah, definitely I thought it was war. That definitely was my take on it. Well, but it definitely I, once again, it, it feeds off people's grief. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that's where. Yeah. Targeting the child. It's it's interesting, and I don't know if maybe it's a generational trauma of war is being explored here. Right. But I know it's not just surface level. Oh, there's a demon after a child going back to the exorcist or. You know, movies, movies like that. It, there's, there's a greater purpose in all of this. It feels like a very personal film. Yeah. Well, and if I, I the fact it, that the metaphor or whatever isn't obvious is not necessarily yeah. a slight against the movie. It could be a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like there was another note being played, and I wonder yeah. again if it was like, am I missing something again culturally, or is it just being careful and subtle about it? Yeah. Can, I mean, we we are kind of singing its praises. I do. Oh, yeah, I, I, I have a, I have yeah. a few. I, I try to do this on my show. I try to have a few. If I love a movie, say you know, some negative ne- things. Negative things here. Um, I think it's a little bit of a trope to have kind of the creepy mute child, you know. But it, I, I understand why why it's in there. Um, it was all a dream. Again, I, I'm, I've really been noting like it was all a dream. Seems to be a regular thing in horror movies. I mean, I, again, that's whatever. But which is not to imply I, that the movie's all a dream. But no, 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 no. But there were some dream. scenes in there that were dream sequences and were just false leads, yeah. you know. And I, I, I start to get a little bit tired of that just in, in any movie yeah. in, in general. Even movies I really like. There's a scene where she gets out of bed, walks towards the taped window and stands in front of it. Yeah. And I'm like, we're about to have a jump scare. And then... And there it is. We had our yeah. jump scare. Mm-hmm. And nothing else in the movie had been that sort of... T- 
telegraphed before yeah. that. But yeah. again, it's a and, little small and, complaint. And the, like the, the mother's so brilliant through the entire film and how she handles things. But I, I, I'm not sure why she opens the door. There's that key moment where she opens the door and she lets the demon in. Was my take on it? Like, what? Wh- why I does think there's, the there's idea nobody was outside there? She wanted the demon off of her kid. And onto her. Yes, that's what like, she's she trying to do. She does the barter system. She mm. uh, takes the book out, and then all of a sudden, the animal ends up in the, or the sorry, the book ends up in the lockbox. Yeah. Um, so like she is trying to communicate and barter with this thing in her own limited way, but she seems to have understanding of it that we are not gained access mm-hmm. to. And again, maybe if we're familiar with the Jin lore, like. Maybe there's rules, like the way we inherently understand the rules of werewolves and vampires. Vampire, yeah, there are it. rules to dealing with jinns, and you make yeah. offerings to them, or you barter with okay. them to get them to change your mind. And you'd think in wartime, with this much misery going around, there'd be plenty of places for it to go. Mm-hmm. But here's here. this, these two mm-hmm. vulnerable people mm-hmm. alone in this huge building. Yeah. Well, let's play. Yep. And then... Just, again, another really picky one, but there's a sequence where the mother and daughter are, are physically in an altercation, and I don't believe for a moment that daughter would overpower her mother. Okay, yeah. And I don't think she's possessed by the demon at that point. I, I didn't quite no. get how that happened, Like, but these are really nitpicky things. It's a great movie that lots of people should check out. Yeah, and I mean, it does focus, like, the stress is building along with the suspense as as closer as we're getting to this uh, standoff between the jinn or the mm-hmm. demon yep. she's getting weaker every step of the way and it's getting stronger every yep. step of the way and you feel it yeah yeah and uh, that's like it's felt not said that's a hard thing to pull off but the do- the daughter's getting weaker too i think oh, yeah. as well oh, yeah, so no, it's it's yeah. sucking away at her yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and again, it's not a feel-good picture necessarily, but it's not devastating either. No. There's been a lot of hella dark movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think it leaves you in an uncertain place, but it, it it's not the kick in the balls that yeah. a lot of this decade. It's not. It's not a happy ending, but it's not. Well, I just think the world is awful. Yeah, um, evil exists. We entertain tonight, <laughs> and it will continue to exist. So be wary. Yeah. yeah. Evil is AI Hollywood scripts. That's right. In 24th position, this is a weird one. I I really wanted to put... This is where my tie shows up. And originally, I wanted to talk about the duo of guys who did Spring, movie you and I talked mm-hmm. about, and Endless. Mm. Uh, Benson Moorhead, I believe they call themselves. Yep. And that was originally what the sp- space was for. And I still want to shout those guys out. I still think Resolution and The Spring and The Endless and Synchronicity... All four movies made that decade, all on a low budget, are all absolutely worth your time. But I don't know how much they are horror movies. 
they're really close to being horror movies, but they're walking the line. Oh, I think and the I think they have movie. buzz about them. They have noise about them. Yep. I want to talk about uh, a director I think people have forgotten. They didn't forget him in 1999 when he made a little movie called The Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. with his friend Daniel Murek. But Eduardo Sanchez has never stopped making horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I think he made two this decade that were both completely ignored and that were both completely fucking solid. Uh, I'm going to first talk about Lovely Molly. Mm. This is a haunting and haunted movie because it's, again, a slow psychological disintegration of a main character, and we know where the movie's going. But right before the movie came out, the supporting actor in the film lost his mind, murdered this well-loved woman in Hollywood who would use her property to rent out yeah, to up-and-coming actors. He killed her and then himself right before this movie was coming out. And it just put this ugly cloud over it. Also, in the movie, he plays the positive good guy character that's trying to help Molly hmm. get her shit together. So it's like, hmm. once you know the context of it, the whole movie becomes difficult to to process in the same way so it's a very serious very tough psychological horror movie that nobody watched someone watch it the other one is the complete opposite of that people complained about the Blair Witch Project being a found footage movie where you saw nothing well exists is a found footage movie where you see everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a Bigfoot found footage movie where the camera just happens to find its way to the most perfect spot to show you the best angle on the Bigfoot violence. It is not a smart movie, but he is not repeating himself. Mm. It is a very different found footage movie than The Blair Witch Project. (laughs) And yeah, he could sell the movie, or thought he could sell the movie better by saying from the director of Blair Witch, but Mm -hmm. here with Lovely Molly and Exists are two fantastic, I think, horror movies that nobody has seen. Yep. I know, I'm guilty. Crazy, guilty. So. I haven't seen either of them, but I've written them down. Yeah. Maybe they're a little bit high, and maybe Benson Moorhead should be here, but I'm shouting them out. So <laughs> that's my 24th position. Uh, he, and he's, yep, yep, get, Mr. Beckman. Uh, I have seen The Endless, and I have seen Spring. Right. I have oh, not yeah. seen Lovely Molly. Okay. But um, there you go. What's your 24th posi- or 23rd position then, brother? So. There's this guy called Robert Eggers. Oh, yes. He's, I'm aware of him. Yes, yes, yes. I think he's pretty good. But I'm not choosing the film that I think most people thought would be on the list. Um, I need to give The Witch another day in court. Um, I started it late, and that's a movie that, although it's unbelievably creepy and moody, it kind of moves at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. But once again, and like this is just an emotional pick. Okay. You're allowed uh, personal choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love me stories that have that sort of no exit hell is other people, Lovecraftian sort of, and also shot in glorious black and white. <laughs> glorious black and white. But uh, The Lighthouse is so good. Uh, the first time I saw it, I knew right away that it was going to be, if not one of the best films of the decade, at least one of the best horror films. And it's and once again, it's not a boo out of the dark thing. It's just one of those... Hell is other people. There's a mystery unraveling. I love everything about the seagull. <laughs> um, Robert Patterson is really good, but for my money, William, William Defoe. fucking Defoe. <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> I, I I could just, you know, I, I watch that movie and just fall in love every single time. It's 
I could I can understand why people wouldn't call it a horror film because they would call it like a surrealist drama. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would call it a horror movie. To yeah, be yeah. honest, but I think it's uh, like an absurdist theater piece. Yeah, and uh, some moments are horrific, but uh, but, sure. yeah. but it's one of those you know like you know artsy horror films in in some ways. But I can understand why it's not on the list. Mm-hmm. I can understand why I'm sure it's probably not on either your lists. But um, Willem Dafoe, man, Willem Dafoe. He, he's just great as like the lighthouse keeper. Yeah, uh, I, I love me the lighthouse. I, I, um, it was built up way, way, way too big, too much for me. When I saw it, I was ultimately in between to disappointed. It looks great. The photography is brilliant for sure, and William Dafoe's performance was. I, I was expecting the moon, the sun, and the stars, and it, I need to revisit it and kind of put it down to earth and and see it it didn't it didn't work for me as as well as i thought it was going to because individual scenes i had seen i had students when i was teaching about edgar Allan poe and horror bring in clips of it to kind of do do some stuff for a creative presentation i was like why haven't i seen that yet this is gonna be like one of the great films of the year it was it was touted as um and it it was there for me. I mean, I I think the two were good together. There's some writing things I think that kind of got in the way for me. But I don't know. I I, will, I promise I'll watch it again. But it, yeah, it's not on my list. I considered it a horror movie though. I did yeah. consider it a horror movie. What I would say about the lighthouse, and it is not on my list. Yep. I think that the witch is an A plus horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think the lighthouse. I think the lighthouse is a B minus art house movie. Alrighty. I think that it was oversold. I think that there is good acting in it. I think there is good atmosphere in it. I think there is a cool vibe about it. But it's overrated, in my humble opinion. So we agree. It happened, Dupree. We agree. I don't I don't think I would give it a negative review. No. But I am and not And I'm not either, by the way. I am, I am I'm not, not foaming just, at the mouth of I that. thought it was gonna be this is the, the greatest thing to come to cinema and not so much. Jason, so we're on to my number twenty three. This is where, uh, as, as much as I have some issues with a couple things, but I think they kind of got corrected, I'm, I'm breaking them up, and I, one's not making my list, but It Chapter 1 is going to be on my list here at number 23, um, Andreas Muschetti? Muschetti? Andre Muschetti. Yeah. Andre Muschetti, yeah. Yeah, um, and I know he did Mama, which I still haven't seen. Right. So spoilers, it's not on my Worth list. And yeah, um, but I I think it tapped into like they had a budget for it, and it, it was a monster hit, probably way bigger than they were expecting. Most successful, to my knowledge, still the most successful horror movie, box office wise. Uh, it, it was breaking records at the time, um, and people were hungry for an R rated version of Stephen King's It. And I think they were primed by the miniseries. Yeah. And, and and enough by it. And I think like this is ultimately better made than the miniseries. I would still say the children's portion of the miniseries is better than this. Yeah. Um but that Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh. Yeah. I think steals actually the movie. <laughs> both movies, even though she's barely in the second one and it's kind of there's there's kind of problems with that. Um, to the point where this movie got me so excited for chapter two that again my expectations were so high and when chapter two is not 
not awful, but a little bit of a mess. Yeah. It, w- it was a letdown. It was, I like, will we, defend we can't get chapter this. two against its haters, but it didn't even. And ever, I'm, it wasn't I'm, even considered. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a hater on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I know the first time I saw it, I rewatched it just in case yeah. for this. But I I kind of had a miserable time in an IMAX theater where it would not end. Right. And it was so noisy and special effect, and I just wanted written. I just did not care for the adults. But that's about that one. This one works well uh the level of bullying the understanding of of middle years kids i still like setting the children's story in the 50s more than the 80s yeah but for a modern audience i guess they would get a little bit more out of us i i really like the how they dealt with like the concept of abuse um effectively we've talked about this before um what they did to Beverly Marsh after like one of the great sequences where she fights back against her father and suddenly she's turned into a hostage. She, she needs to be rescued by the boys. I know this was supposed to bring them back together when they're separated and all that, but uh, that was a mistake. Uh, and it was it was that, an unnecessary that, I, I change. Think some of these some of these moves along the way and the fact that again I, I've talked to you about my issues with, with Sarsgaard and Pen, as Pennywise. Um, hold it back from being in like say the top 10 of this list I think it's a solid horror movie and it had to be on my list as far as pop culture is concerned it should be on the list high Um, yeah chapter 1 we'll be talking about again chapter 2 I never even considered it for the list Um, but I don't dismiss it either because I it's a tough nut to well I gave it another day in court because I thought well maybe it was the day and time when I watched it and no it's it's a full letter grade if not two down from yeah. the first half yes. it just is um we will be talking about that okay. one again i think we'll one be talking th- about it thrice <laughs> yeah okay. uh, i think that the one of the big things about that is that they had not just the lucky seven loser club but also georgie and the bullies you have a cast of children mm-hmm. you don't just to have like one crucial ca- kid performance you have over half a dozen yeah and the feat of casting that movie must have been really tough it, and they nailed it it reminds me of stand by me in yeah. that sense i mean that you know to be able they to direct to a cast of children and they had to yeah. really get the right kid for yeah. the right part and they did so bravo mm. 23 it's my turn jason to pick a title that people might say but that's not a horror movie and as i we mentioned before don't breathe being probably the best example of that there were a lot of these super intense thrillers that uh you could go either way with don't breathe is really horror enough in mm-hmm. a lot of grounds but again the one that they miss i think from joe carnahan starring liam neeson the gray yep if you i went back and forth in that if one if you haven't seen the gray or if you're asking yourself is that a horror movie much like i said with ex machina watch it again yep that is a fucking horror movie yep it is about conflicting like the conflict of dealing with the fact that our lives are finite that despite humanity's best efforts the mortality rate remains stubbornly at 100 percent and on your day-to-day basis you can say yeah i'm gonna die but it's some far away date in the future and i don't have to worry about it but when that date is put in front of you (laughs) that's what the gray is about Mm -hmm. And I think it's terrifying. I think it's more than scary. I think it is terrifying. And I understand if you missed it because there was so many 
forgettable Liam Neeson action thrillers. Like, I think they do two or three of them a year, and some of them... They're still even, being produced. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. It is like this 68-year-old action star, uh, and yeah, I get that. So, you know, feel free to look the other way on all of those. But if you missed The Grey, definitely check it out. It got a little bit shit on because, you know, the way the wolves were portrayed. And again, I think we're dealing with bigger things. I don't think we're dealing with wolves. Yeah. Right? We're yeah. dealing with mortality. Yeah. yeah. And I remember yeah. listening to your review on the show when you were very... Positive. And I was like, I have to check that out. Because right. it was when I, I treated it the same way. Here's another Liam Neeson movie that's out in January. Yeah. And I still haven't seen it. And then when I was kind of doing a, a broad list of horror movies, I don't think it was listed or categorized as horror. Maybe. Yeah. And so I kind of forgotten about that. So I I that's one I really feel like I should have watched by now and I haven't. So Oh it's so good. Add it to the list, man. I yeah, I yeah. really it's think so good. Oh, I, I'm sure I'll love it. Be, yeah. I, I do apologize for Liam Neeson on a regular basis because I, <laughs> I I like some of those dumb action movies. Don't sometimes. apologize about Liam Neeson. This is one of the this is the first time out of all the movies and I went, ah fuck, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, that one should have been there. That should have been there. It's yeah. so good. Um I love the fact that that, that movie. I I think the wolves are real. I think the wolves are real. Oh no, they are yeah. like as in, in the context of the story. Yeah. But if they're not acting like wolves, in yeah. the purpose that they're filling is your death is coming. It could yeah. be fire. It could be ice. It could be wolves. But yeah. your death is after you, and you have to deal with it. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I, I, I've seen enough visual uh, essays about that movie, saying arguing that the fact that the wolves are they're just metaphor, man. Right. Um. In you know, and, and but they are really Liam being Neeson. pursued by a pack of oh, yeah. wolves. They're not. Yeah. The fact not. that Liam Neeson kind of goes in and out of consciousness more than once. Yeah. You can make that argument, I guess, but nah. That the first time we even see them, <laughs> when like they just turn the the, the flashlight and it, one is just eating away at a corpse, yeah. And then also a shout out when they're running in a blizzard, and the packs just starts and they've zeroed in on the weakest physical link at that point. Once again, it's. <laughs> taps into that primal nature survival situation where uh, yeah. it's just something I know about myself. If one day all the lights went out and yeah. we had to go back to living in the woods, yeah. I'm fucked. Yep. And I know it <laughs> yeah. for a fact. I yeah. am fucked. I'm not going to be able to catch a squirrel, not alone like yeah. a dozen to feed myself and my family. Like yeah. I am fucked. Yeah. And this movie like lays that nakedly bare <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, it also taps into, I've always been wrestling with this story, and I've worked as an animal patrol officer, um, and we would track these dogs sometimes for months. Like, we, like we would be just be late getting there, because there was like almost like a top ten list of missing dogs. It wasn't as, as elaborate as that, but there were some dogs over a span of a year that we got calls on, and we would get to, and we would found its den and everything, and I thought... What would happen if it was like a not maybe like a pack of really big dogs that got so feral that they started picking off one by one? And the gray is a lot like that. Yeah, um, it's supposedly set in the wilds of Alaska, but yeah. it might as well be Canada. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> solid strong choice. And this is the first time where I'm going, ah, fuck. Right. Well, check it out, Dubray. I think yeah. you uh, might get something yeah. out of it. Yep. What's your next selection, Mr. So, Beckham? at uh, number 23, I do believe. 22. 22. 22. Um, I have both Jonathan Ford and Howard J. Ford's The Dead, 
we talked about this movie a couple, I think a couple of weeks ago, and I went, oh yeah! So I watched it again and went, you know what, that's, that's really good. That's really good. There needed to be more zombies on my list, and unfortunately I couldn't find room for the dead. I really like it. It was made in Africa, and the sequel was made in India, and yeah. apparently both of them were nightmare productions. Yeah. But they bring back slow Romero zombies, yeah. and they make them scary again. Yeah. And it's really... It's called The real. Dead? The, the Dead, dead. yeah. And there's The Dead too. It's the Ford brothers are the directors. Yeah. There is a YouTube podcast show called Good Bad Flicks, Larry, that I know that you're aware of. Um, I would recommend watching it after you see the movie and just talk because they go into detail about everything that went wrong from like the lead went, like the lead actor getting malaria to at some point the gangs around uh, where they were shooting interrupted and, and like threatened their lives. It's not a fairy tale story either. It didn't yeah. end with them making their fame and fortune in Hollywood. They yeah. made these two amazing zombie movies. Yeah. And then they went back to what, their lives with their tails between mm. their legs. They have and both each, of them are solid. Yeah, um, they they have since made a movie each separately. Oh, okay, but I, I didn't even know of them. like I hadn't heard of them. They're both thrillers. Uh, one's more of a director of photography, where the other one I think is like you know writing, directing the actors kind of thing. Um, the Dead is so solid. I, I I think I have some sentimental value because it takes place in Africa. Yeah. Um, and it kind of reminded me, I, and because it's an independent production, like all of a sudden I started asking questions, how did they actually get those you know, actors to be run over by trucks? Like, how did they do it? I found myself really asking those questions because... They had, because of where they shot it, the opportunity to give the movie the feeling of scale and epicness yeah. because of the landscapes that they were working with, but yeah. they didn't have the money. Yeah, and that shows up in like we don't see the plane crash we see him washing up on the yeah. beach and the central actor is better at his behavior and his action yeah. his dialogue scenes you yeah. can tell he's a new actor yeah. but nothing breaks the movie Yeah, I, I, it's another one of many that I wish I could find room yeah. for on the list yep yeah. um I also love just little scenes like the actor, you know, sleeping in the tree and waking up and going, whoa. Um, even the opening, you know, after the opening crawl where the airplane's going down and that person's infected and you're just going, good God. And then it shows to all the chaos going down. Um, the fact that one of the lead actors that we first think is the protagonist, like he is a protagonist, but gets bitten and in and in like essentially chomped on very early yeah yeah and you're just going wow this is the one hour and 20 minute mark 20 minute mark when it's you know an hour and 40 minutes and everything like it, it, lots of things surprised me about the movie i was never bored it's wonderfully gory um i also think that they really leaned on the fast aggressive zombies ever mm -hmm. since the remake of dawn 28 days later mm -hmm. it wasn't enough to have the slow moody romero only walking dead and the dead seem to stick to romero zombies oh. and i respect them respecting the lore <laughs> so good choice mm -hmm. yeah i, I, I can I've lend heard the title I've i can lend it title. i can lend it to you i have it here yeah, I'd very much like to check it out. Especially, I, I like the Romero zombies. It's prefer very that. much a loving homage to. 22. So, 22 for me, uh, directed by Greg McLean, and it is penned by one of the um, most important filmmakers we have right now, James Gunn. It is the Belco Experiment. Oh, really? Which, uh, again, your podcast introduced me to it. <laughs> um, and... I, I mean, I really love the cast. I love this take on The Office. 
you know, there's all of the routines of the office and the people in there. And, and when they get trapped in this situation and somebody has to die in this period of time and people start uh, being tribal and turning on each other, I could see that happening in any workplace. And it is creative, it is violent. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Battle Royale yep. in a sense. Um, and this, uh, I really like this actor, John Gallagher Jr. Yeah. He was um, on the uh, the newsroom. Um, we we'll talking about him TV again. show. <laughs> yeah, I think I might be talking about him um, again too. He he anchors this film really well, and there's some great actors, Tony Goldwyn. But one of the pleasures is to see Michael Rooker just being a guy. Like he's an ordinary guy. He's not he's not a piece not of serial shit. killer. He's not a villain. Or anything like we kind of you know. Uh, feel bad for what happens to him too. I also like that it's a movie based on a dream. James yeah. Gunn had a dream. It didn't make sense to him, but it stuck with him enough that he wrote the screenplay because of it. And uh, it's not on my list. I think it's like a. It's one of these ones I was talking about, like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it, it, it kind it's of a has really a cool conceptual idea for a movie, but it it's sort of yeah. I don't know. I guess I didn't register it as a horror movie. It, it's more of a sci-fi speculative fiction of some mm -hmm. kind i really like it yeah. i like it a lot it's a very distinct individual meal i'm glad it's on your list but it, but it didn't when we discover like that it's that movie. shot at the end is like oh my god this is even worse it, than i imagined yeah, it's so much worse yeah <laughs> i had it more in the action action thriller but i could definitely understand the horror element of it it's not on my list if the, you the like violence it too, is out there there's another movie called mayhem yeah uh with samara weaving and um, called Mayhem. Oh, Stephen Young. Stephen Young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, they're in a building, but there's a chemical leak that makes everybody go crazy, so they lock off the building. It's kind of similar, but uh, Mayhem's more, I think, acutely funny and over the top, mm. whereas Belko's kind of exploring something. It is, yeah. 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 All right, uh, so that's my turn. In 22nd place, Babad. Do. Really? <laughs> oh, do. I am kind of surprised it's as low as it is, but okay. Um, and I think spiritually, the what it would be tied to for me is under the shadow. I think right. that uh, that can be the honorable mention. Like I, I would, I would love to have under the shadow on this list too. Again, it just, I. But it's they're both about mothers. Yeah. Yep. They're both about uh, supernatural oppression, and they're both like abandoned by their husband one the husband's yeah. off at the war the other one the husband has died but yeah i'm gonna give it to the baba duke um the the performance they got out of this little kid uh what's his name maybe i can have it here um it's not one of these things where they found like a professional child actor they finessed this performance out of this mm -hmm. little kid with i'm sure endless amount of patience yeah and if there's something that people take away from the movie sometimes people don't like the little kid performance yeah i think it utterly works yeah why is it not higher on the list i think it could be accused of being a little bit overhyped in that the basic story it's telling about parental resentment yeah we've seen before in fact you could argue it was perfected in the shining Mm -hmm, and sure. uh, the A, B, and C of it is not that dissimilar to your average Conjuring franchise or Insidious. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a creature in That's the dark. True. There's going to be a quiet. There's someone's going to get yeeted supernaturally across the room. Everything you expect to see in one of these types of movies is absolutely in the Babadook. Yeah, but it's just somehow one notch up above. Okay, and I like Jennifer Kent. Uh, like she was 
an actress uh, out of Australia, and she just wasn't getting enough work. She liked she was in Babe and a few other high-profile things, but yeah. it was never happening for her. So this was a long-term make-work-for-herself project, and yeah. it paid off for her huge. Yeah. I was very off-put by her follow-up to this movie called The Nightingale. Yeah. But uh, uh, I would not scratch her off my list. Of <laughs> It's a well-directed movie, but it, it makes The Revenant seem warm. By contrast, wow, <laughs> yep, I agree. Um, but I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't dismiss the Babadook. It's definitely on the list. And if you like the Babadook, you will like Under the Shadow. If you like Under the Shadow, you yeah, will Bob like Nick the, the Babadook. Babadook. Yeah. So, uh, twenty uh, twenty second position for me is the Babadook. Yeah. I assume it's showing up later oh. on your list. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty high. I, I'm just I'm sort of so. I, I figured we would be talking about it. I just thought it, w- we, it would be higher than you gave it. But I mean. Respect. Respect. It's, it's another one that I thought was going to be on my list and was on the long list of, of runners-up. Okay. You know, I I don't know. I I loved it at the time. It kind of faded for me a little bit. And, yeah, it's a tough one. It's one I would think about. Like a lo- Most people will, horror fans will have it on their list. There were a lot of movies like this. Like, the whole Conjuring franchise, again, I hate to be so dismissive of the Conjuring franchise. Yeah. Like, the whole Conjuring universe has made more bank than, I think, all the movies I've mentioned so far added up together. But people know about the Conjuring, so mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I like to go a little bit more. And not everybody heard about the Babadook initially, but it, it was a real cult following, and then it became it kind of big, right. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, I'd, I really enjoy it, too. I just didn't make my list of 30. So. Yeah, it's not a thumbs-down review. No. So at uh, number 21, there's this guy, Larry, that I, I'm sure you know. His name is Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah? And, I'm uh, aware of his work. Yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm honest, a lot of the movies he made this decade could have easily been on this list. And I cried when I started really, like, I had to, like, cut away. Right. Um, and I went with my heart. Uh, I went with my heart because... Oculus is so oh. terrifying. <laughs> it, it was the one film that the uh, where I had I had like fingernail marks into my couch. Oh, wow! Mm-hmm. As, as I was watching that movie, you know, Katie Sackhoff is is really good in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, J- the other arc, Jillian, I'm drawing a blank. Ah, the Karen sister, Karen Gillan. Pardon? Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah, Thank you good. very much. Um, once again, there's just great shots of great composition shots. Even when Karen Gillan, you know, first shows up and it's like, it, I, and it's just her ponytail kind of moving back and forth as she's walking down the hall. I, I, I like little things like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's a great ghost story. Um, I I just I, I love me. A special shout out to Hush. You know, it's once again one of those Gallagher Junior. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, a home. I, yes, it's another home, home invasion uh, thriller. But man, did I want to jump into the screen and punch that guy, that actor. Like, like that movie a lot. Would yeah. love to add it to my wall. Can't. Yeah. yeah. Netflix won't so sell good. It. So good. Um, once again, Dr. Sleep, he made a strong, strong sequel and paid homage to the novel in, in a really good way. Dr. Sleep was on my list up until recently and I was like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I just I, I couldn't I could not remove Oculus. Oh, we'll be talking about Mike Flanagan, and I do like Oculus a lot. Um, but that's not the one yeah. I picked. I am. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about Mike Flanagan. Oculus was honorable mention, like it, probably number thirty-one or thirty-two, somewhere in there. Yeah, it was very close to making my list. Um, but 
spoilers, I have a lot of Flanagan on here. And so <laughs> Flanagan is going to be well represented. Well represented on also, my list. Yeah. once again, like, I hang my head that I couldn't put more Flanagan. I have no excuse. Gerald's Game yeah. was an unfucking filmable book. Yeah. And yeah. he made a hell of a movie out yeah. of it. Yeah. So... Yes, yeah. I am not going to fight you on your choice. Yeah, yeah. I just, just feel bad I couldn't add more, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Sorry, 21st. 21st, 21st. And again, you've, you've kind of alluded to the fact that whether this is a horror movie or not, I think with the, the creature stuff, um, there's enough horror in here. It's a movie I reviewed on your show called Spring. I, I, Lovely. I, yeah. I, I, I love. It's a beautiful movie. The reason it, it, it could have been higher... This, it almost had the same sort of thing where I didn't like again I think it was Detroit they start off in I didn't like any of the characters or anything that was going on but once we got to Italy the movie got going and it was spectacular I, I mean I was moved by it I think when we were even talking about it I was near tears talking about this it's it's a horror story it's, it's a creature <laughs> film it is a romantic film it's sweet it's sweet it's, it's beautifully shot I mean I I wasn't sure, like, looking at kind of the contrast of the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, that these guys also had this quality in them to to, to get to that point. Um, and I, I really love uh, the the actor here, get her name, um, Nadia Hilker. Yeah. Nadia Hilker kind of steals the movie for me. I don't under I, understand. I, I, yeah, everybody in the world... <laughs> I know not everybody in the world, but a lot of people in the world would fall in love with uh, this character and this this actor. And you definitely get why he's attracted to her, and you definitely want it to work out for them, which is essential to making the movie. And work. I knew nothing yeah. about it until it was on a list of movies that uh, we did a show for. Yeah, so it's really I, good. I love that selection. I'm glad it's on your list. Like I said, I wanted to mention yeah. them, but again. Is it a horror movie? It's got a creature in it. It's got some really dark stuff in it. And, yeah, I mean, if you had to sell the movie, that would be the way to sell it. But it's so much more than a horror movie. Same thing with The Endless. Like, yeah. It's so yeah. much more than just a horror movie. Oh, I would agree like it's a horror like movie. It's a, like, it, it, it could appeal to a broad range of... Like, you can take your girlfriend or your wife to see this movie. Oh, yeah. Not to, like, stereotype, because there's lots of female horror fans, I know, but... Um, but the, the those who love romance movies will get something out of it. Those who love horror movies will get something out of it. I think it's any other it's decade quite a balance. Make my list just yeah. because I want people to watch the movie. Yeah. That's the same reason. Uh, like we are still here is on the list. It's I love the movie, but I also just want more people to watch it. Yes. And I feel the same way about Spring and the Endless and Resolution. Yeah, all like them, yeah. the and the, we can't have them all on the list. I can't I put them all on the list. Yeah, so. they aren't all. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying thank you for including Spring. Yeah. Did you ever see Spring? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, what you told me about it, I'm like, me reiki. Yeah. Me reiki. I think it was number one when when we, we did it. reviewed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, my last pick, again, another one that's highly personal and that not enough people have seen. Um, it was on, wasn't on my list. It wasn't. It wasn't. And then I rewatched it, and it, its qualities reasserted itself. It's called Starry Eyes. Yeah. Controversial. They wanted me to pick a fight with you, Debray. He said, I'm going to see if I can top out the mic level. Mm -hmm. This is the movie that David Lynch was trying and failing to make when he made Mulholland Drive. This is the poisonous, evil Hollywood that one has to sacrifice Mm -hmm. their soul to in order to reach their satisfaction. And the other reason you're probably not going to be a fan of it is the... uh, 
the co-directors of this motion picture, um, sorry, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Windmeyer were the gentlemen who were hired to do the remake of Pet Cemetery. And the Ugh. reason I was excited about the remake of Pet Cemetery was not because I thought they needed a remake of Pet Cemetery, but because of how because much of I liked Starry Eyes. Mm -hmm. And I still have a lot of respect for them. There is a quote on the cover of this case that I'm going to hear, and it sounds hyperbolic, but I think it's on point. If David Lynch and David Cronenberg came together to craft a gory psychological mind bender, mind bender, it might be Starry Eyes. Mm. This sounds this like I would enjoy it. Though. Is their first fucking movie? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and to be put in that company seems yeah. like they're trying to sell DVDs. Mm -hmm. I think it backs up. I, I was going back and forth on what was going to be top of the first list, if it was going to be Babadook or this one. Upon rewatching it, it dethroned Babadook. Yeah. So, um, also, the main actress in it, she plays the mom in uh, Dr. Sleep, uh, the Shelley Duvall character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she gives a hell of a performance in this movie. Um, there's an audition scene in Mulholland Drive that everybody likes to talk about mm -hmm. as a scene that sort of made the career of Naomi Watts in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. she's, she's, she is incredible in that scene. Mm -hmm. There's an audition sequence in this movie and a follow-up sequence with her reacting to how the audition went into the bathroom that knocks that scene out of the fucking water mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I, I can't get mad because I haven't seen it. So, yeah. Well, see it and get mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> That's the first block of ten reviews taken care of, or ranks, pardon me, for the 20 teens taken care of, and the first couple of reviews. We've got two more episodes of this to get through this incredibly rich decade. I hope you're enjoying it, because there is more to come. Send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. If you need something to fill your ears with between the episodes, there's the Shelf Shedding Movie Show and the Terror Table Podcast, which are good friends of mine. And thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. This is your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, and we'll be hearing you, or you'll be hearing me real soon.